T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is an American woman. This is an American heartthrob. It's Mraz here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go, North America, on this Black Friday morning or still Thanksgiving, depending on where you are in the great United States of America or Canada. Hey, baby. And on Thanksgiving, a day that's all about family, it's all about tradition, it's about what we are thankful for, it was actually a pretty sad day in America, because as we gathered around our television sets with aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and and people maybe we haven't seen all year, we witnessed an American funeral live on TV today. One where I know there were a lot of tears shed, a lot of hugging needed to be held. We had to, we're going to wake up here on Black Friday wearing black because the funeral came upon us. And that funeral, such a sad one. The 2017 Cowboys season. It's over, America. It's over. How about them, Cowboys? You talk about utter embarrassment. They get the benefit every single year on a short week on Thanksgiving to have a team travel to play them a game that they usually play up like it's their Super Bowl. It's had its bad moments in the past with RG3 going in there and wrecking it. We've had Leon Lett looking sloppy at times. But on Thanksgiving 2017, the Cowboys had their most embarrassing defeat we have ever seen on Thanksgiving under the circumstances. Oh, yes. The Chargers... From L.A., not from San Diego, as Tony Romo tried mentioning a couple times, came into Dallas and shellacked the Cowboys behind two Dak Prescott interceptions. And it could have been worse if the kicking situation for the Chargers wasn't a mess in that first quarter where they could have kicked another field goal or two. 28-6 to to score. And panic now is set in in Dallas, in Fort Worth, in Arlington, And in all the other spots in America where all those front-running Cowboy fans hide, whether you're in North Dakota, New York, Maryland, you know you guys are all sitting out there. You guys realize it's over, right? But you're all going to point to Dak Prescott and go, we don't have Tony Romo now, and look at Dak Prescott. It's all because of the offensive line. It's all because of Zeke. We actually don't have a franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is that same late-round draft pick we thought he was. He's not any good. Stop it. Dak Prescott's a franchise quarterback and a pretty damn good one with a pretty bright future. Should he have thrown those two inexplicable interceptions today? No. Has he seemed to have hit a wall the last couple weeks, turning the ball over, and it coincides with the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is in there running the ball? Sure. But you know why this isn't Dak Prescott's fault? Because he's still a young running back, uh, still a young quarterback, and he's looking around in the huddle, and you know what he's got? Pieces that got really old really fast and pieces that were put in place 
for Tony Romo's offense and Tony Romo to be the quarterback. Dak Prescott doesn't have a team that's built around him, and that's showing its ugly warts right now. It just is. If you listened on CBS Sports Radio last night on After Hours, Ramey Lawrence, where me, Sean Mraz, was filling in last night, I told you, I told, I tried to tell you, Des Bryant's not an elite receiver anymore. Never, I, I won't ever, 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 ever. He may not even be a number one receiver anymore. In fact, I'm convinced after Thanksgiving, he's not a number one receiver anymore. Media. Targeted just five times, three receptions for 37 yards. And I, I watched Cowboys Twitter today during that game, Thanksgiving, exploding. We got to get the ball to, to Dez more. Why is it Dak finding Dez? Force the ball to Dez. You know why Dak's not getting the ball to Dez? Because Dez can't get open to save his life anymore. He's been in the league near a decade now. The Dez Bryan era, that's closing quick. Right with that Jason Witten era because he's a sloth himself. Terrence Williams, four catches, 54 yards. His long, the long of 38. When you're relying on Terrence Williams to be your big play receiver, you got serious problems personnel-wise. And the Cowboys got a lot of those problems. It's the team that's built around Dak that's a disaster. And all of that was covered up by the fact that Ezekiel Elliott's an all-world running back. But the problem with Ezekiel Elliott being an all-world running back is you can't build the team around him because you can't trust what he's going to do in the offseason. You just can't. He had this whole domestic violence investigation knowing the NFL was looking at him, and he spent the offseason ripping women's tops down and going to nightclubs and getting into fights. How can you trust this guy and build a team around him? The team now needs to be crafted around Dak. But how can you trust the Jones family to make the right decisions with this roster in the offseason? I am a monkey fan. You can't because he's too busy fighting with Roger Goodell over whether whether Zeke should have been suspended or not. Without looking at himself in the mirror and realizing Roger Goodell didn't sink your season for the suspension. Jerry, you sunk this season because you loved the Tony Romo era so much. An era that yielded zero Super Bowls and two playoff wins. And everybody that surrounded Tony Romo behind that great offensive line, they're all old now, and they stink. Dez stinks. Witten's a Hall of Famer, but right now he stinks. Terrence Williams is not a big-time number two receiver, and now you're kind of relying on him to be the number one, which is a little weird. Cole Beasley, pretty good in the slot. He has a good relationship with Dak. He should continue to be in that offense. But the rest of the offense, you keep the offensive line, you keep Cole Beasley, you keep Zeke, but you don't trust him. The rest of it? You got to blow up. You just have to. The Cowboys season was finished today. At five and six, there's no coming back. And oh joy, next Thursday night, we get to see them on national TV again when the Redskins who stink come into town. If you're a Cowboy fan on Black Friday, as you're looking for your, your deals and lining up to trample people to go buy a PlayStation 4... Don't take your anger out on those people. Take your anger out on Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones because they've ruined this team. And they might ruin Dak Prescott too. And the rest of you who want to run Dak Prescott out of town will be foolish. It's hard to find franchise quarterbacks and you have them. The key to developing a franchise quarterback is building the right team around them. And the right team isn't there for the Dallas Cowboys right now. It just isn't. You can call me at 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. Is Dak Prescott a franchise quarterback? I say undoubtedly yes. He is not the problem with this Cowboy team. Who is the problem? 
Call me at that number, 855-212-4227. And you can follow me on Twitter, at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S, where I will be reading your tweets throughout the night on this topic and on, on many more. And you know the flip side of this game, if we turn it a little way around, and I know the Cowboys are the story, as the Chargers roll here, and if we could get past Phillip Rivers seemingly crying on every officiating call and crying where the ball is spotted, which gets real annoying real quick, and we've seen this since 2004. Phillip, not everybody's against you or the Chargers. In fact, you'd argue the NFL wants the Chargers to succeed. So please, stop stop like the refs are, are screwing you because that's what you're acting like here. But Phillip Rivers had a nice game today, 27-33, to 434 yards, three touchdowns, a QBR of 94. He lit the world on fire. And that rushing attack, I know Melvin Gordon only had 65 yards on the ground. They got an all-world receiver in Keenan Allen who was never healthy and now is. They're pretty deep at receiver. But the real key to the Chargers right now has to be the defense in their pass rush. Ingram and Bosa rushing off the edge is as good as it gets in the NFL right now. So the reason we should all be excited about the Chargers and rooting for the Chargers the rest of the way, by the way, started 0-4. If they make the playoffs, would only be the second team ever to start 0-4 and make the postseason. But you want them in. Because when you look at the AFC landscape, and we discussed this last night, it looks like it's the Steelers, it's the Patriots, and nobody else has a shot in the world of making the Super Bowl to the AFC. That's a very mediocre AFC. You're not going to trust the Jaguars or Blake Bortles. The Titans, please. They had their chance to impress us versus Steelers. The Chiefs are in a landslide. And don't look now. A Chiefs lost Sunday in Buffalo, and suddenly the Chargers are a game back there. There's nobody you could buy in the AFC, especially to tackle. The, you got to beat the Patriots, right? you got to slay Goliath. When Tom Brady has lost big games in the postseason, whether it be to the Ravens, whether it be the two Super Bowls to the Giants, when Tom Brady loses these games, he loses them because he's getting hit. He's getting pressured, he's getting harassed, and he's getting sacked, and he's taking hit after hit after hit until he crumbles up into a ball. And Patriot fans know this. And Patriot fans, if you're listening up in Boston right now, you know, as good as I know, you don't want to see the Chargers in the playoffs. Because that's a team that could go into Foxborough and shock us all on a Saturday night where the Crafts think they're going to have a nice party with a sweater over a white button down, okay? The Chargers can get it done because they have the pass rush. We should all as Americans now in football, if you want the Patriots to lose, be rooting for the Chargers because they displayed it in front of everybody. They could be for real even though they started 0-4. They're red hot going 5-2 and in their last seven games. Red hot. Cowboys. Season over. Chargers, a sleeper. That's the biggest takeaway from Thanksgiving football. This is Mraz here on After Hours in for Amy Lawrence. When we come back, we're going to get to your calls. Load them up at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. And also, I think it's time to drop the overrated label on another NFL quarterback. I really believe that Tony Romo will play in a Super Bowl. Rolls out under pressure, and that pass is picked off. Desmond King, 25, 30, cuts inside of the 35, 40, 45, 50. No one in front of him. He's going to go to the end zone. The rookie out of Iowa at the 10, 5, 90 yard pick six. Desmond King. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. That's Matt Smith on the Chargers radio network as the Los Angeles Chargers romped the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. 
This is Sean Morash, a.k.a. Moraz, where you can usually hear me on the DA show hosted by Damon Amendolara. Weekdays, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on CBS Sports Radio. I am in for Amy Lawrence on After Hours on this Thanksgiving night, Black Friday morning, depending on where you are. Uh, I'm going to get to, in just a moment, there's somebody who's overrated in the NFL that we are again today reminded was overrated. I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let's get to your calls at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. David, Memphis, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Mraz, just want to say, man, I'm a huge fan of yours. been listening for a long time, and this is long overdue for you to host a national radio show. Congratulations, first and foremost. David, what's going on, man? I appreciate it. Now, hold on. Is this Shep? No, uh, David from Memphis. David from Memphis. Okay. All right. Interesting. What's up, David? Well, look, I mean, I hear you talking about uh, Prescott being a franchise quarterback. And listen, the jury's not out yet because you have a guy that has not won a playoff game, number one. Number two, you look at what he did in primetime national games against the Eagles where he got smacked around, looked so inferior to Carson Wentz. And then you have a game here where you were going against, in my opinion, an older Phillip Rivers, a guy who I don't even put ahead of Eli Manning at this point in his career, and he loses in grand fashion. The guy has not won a playoff game. He's being exposed in his second year, has not thrown a touchdown in now four games. He is not a franchise quarterback yet, Morass. Uh, David, I got to strongly disagree with you there. Number one, how can you blame him for any beating he took in the Falcon game or the Eagle game when Tyron Smith is banged up and suddenly see that offensive line doesn't have any depth behind it? Number two, to tell me he hasn't won a playoff game, number one is foolish because they earned a bye, so to punish him for not winning on Wild Card Weekend because they had a bye is silly. And he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. It took a, a miracle Mason Crosby kick for the Packers to beat Dak Prescott last year. Don't tell me he can't win a playoff game. He did everything he could to beat Aaron Rodgers, who was red hot last year, if you remember at the time. Dak Prescott can play in the postseason and can win games. Okay, let's get to William Houston. William, you're on CBS Sports Radio. How's it going, man? What's going on, man? Man, you know, I'm a, I'm a Texan fan, but my brother is a diehard Cowboy fan. And this is what I told him last year. You let go of all your defensive players, and you got two big holes, Doug Free and Ron O'Leary, in the team, which is going to cause is going to cause a lot of holes. Dak Prescott is a beast, man. He's a, he's a great quarterback. I watched him through college and everything. All I gotta say is the Cowboys have to draft another like other people in the offensive line. And also get new receivers, man, because their receivers are they're, they're non-existent. If it's not the run game, they're nothing, man. They're not- Bingo, William. Bingo. If it's not the run game for the Dallas Cowboys, which it can't be while Ezekiel Elliott is, is out with the suspension, they're nothing. The receivers on this team are nothing. Des Bryant is a name at this point and nothing more. And you bring up a good point about Doug Free and Ronald Leary. The Cowboys had to make a decision, and this happens with any dominant unit in this day and age in the NFL – the salary cap creeps up on you. We saw it in Seattle here as they've lost defensive pieces, and the Legion of Boom really relies on Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and Richard Sherman, but little by little pieces get taken away, and you have to make tough calls. For the Cowboys, it's impossible to pay all five of those big offensive linemen, so they had to make a choice. We're going to keep Tyron Smith, good choice, keep Zach Martin, keep Travis Frederick, but we're going to let Ronald Leary, and we're going to let Doug Free go. Okay, they made the decision on who the two of the five they thought were the weakest were. 
Well, now you're realizing that you uh, you know you need to gel as an offensive line, and that offensive line has still been pretty dominant this year. But by now changing things up and having Leo Collins become a starter, the depth there weakens. And when a guy like Tyron Smith gets hurt, it's costly. Depth is an issue in the NFL all across the league, and it's going to catch up to dominant units, and it is right now with the Dallas Cowboys and their offensive line. Let's go to Russell in Dallas. Russell, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? Oh, man, this is the Cowboys dunk it up. Second week in a row. It's a bad Thanksgiving for America's team. Yep. And so so I agree with uh, how does just a name at this point. I feel like exactly what um, the past guy just said. If the run game has been working all three weeks, even with our Rod Smith and Alfred Morris, even the backups, we get the run game going in the first half, and we're only down or up in the case against the Eagles. It's still a one-possession game, and then we just go away from it. We've had the worst third-quarter scoring ratio the entire NFL all year, and now it's really showing. I think it's like somewhere in the 50s or 60s to zero in third-quarter scoring this year. Yeah, our- Russell, that's that's a great point. And in the NFL in 2017, it's been this way for the last couple of years, the run game – Obviously, you need for the balance, but it's also about making big plays. And if you get down in games, you need to be able to hit on a big play and get a hit on a big play quick. And case in point, watch the Chargers on Thanksgiving versus the Cowboys. Keenan Allen is healthy, and Rivers can whip the ball all over to him, or Travis Benjamin gets open deep and can find him, and then get those big chunk plays. Dak Prescott has the ability to make those plays. He doesn't have the receivers around him to make those plays. And Jason Witten is not going to open anything up the middle like he did for years with those seams with Tony Romo because he's just not as fast anymore and he's older. And they don't have that outside threat. If they get in the red zone, they could throw a fade to Des Bryant, have him box out somebody, and he'll get you a touchdown. But if you need a 30-yard play, strike down the middle. Those plays from Des Bryant now are few and far between. It's not Dak that can't make them. It's what they have around them that's the problem. You keep calling us here at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. This is Mraz in for Amy Lawrence here on After Hours. And keep the tweets coming at CBS. And on Twitter, we had Andrew tweet, if Prescott is the man with the offensive line that they have, why are we still giving passes to the Cowboys as to why they are stuttering offensively without Elliott? How about coaching? How about the play calling? How about the idea that Jason Garrett is the head coach of this team because he's a puppet for Jerry Jones? The Cowboys are never going to hire a big head coach as long as Jerry Jones is still running the show because Jerry Jones wants say. And big head coaches don't want their owners having say. So when that happens and you build a good enough roster, you can mask that idea of coaching. But Jason Garrett's offense now, it's gone stagnant. It, It fit Tony Romo perfectly. And he's proving now that he cannot adjust to building an offense around Dak Prescott, but can hide it when Ezekiel Elliott is running, going wild. Let's go to, is this Mondre in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas? Mondre, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going uh, on, man? Not much, man. Just, I've been saying this to Cowboys fans all season. I said it last season, and I'm saying it again. You know, first of all, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. But, you know, they always try to blame everybody. But I'll be honest. You said the key. Jerry Jones is the problem. He is the main reason. He will not hire a real good coach because he want a puppet. As long as he got a puppet, he okay. 
But like I've been telling people all along about the Cowboys, I guarantee you, if you watch a Cowboys game, matter of fact, you watch that Redskins game. If you don't see the fact that it's 2017, you'll think it's 2016. Why? They don't change anything. They still do the same stuff. You don't think defensive coordinators have picked up on what you do and came with a scheme to take away what you do? And I think we lost you, Mondre, but you're absolutely right. Teams figure out and scheme quickly. Coaches were prepared for the Cowboys and what they were going to run this year because of everything they did to a success in 2016. They just were. Teams adjusted and figured it out. It almost feels like the Cowboys coaching staff and all that praise Rod Marinelli got defensively, even though all his defensive warts last year were covered up by the fact that the Cowboys controlled the clock. They don't make adjustments. They're, They're a day late and a dollar short compared to all these other coaching staffs. Now, real quickly, on Thursday night, we saw a pretty ugly football game, and we saw Kirk Cousins again throw the inexplicable interception that pick six to Janoris Jenkins. The Redskins escape with a victory because the Giants remain trash. You like that? Yeah, you like that? I don't like that. The 49ers were the smartest team to me in the NFL this year when they made that move to Jimmy Garoppolo because now they didn't put themselves in a position where they're going to overpay Kirk Cousins. Watch closely. Kirk Cousins is fool's gold. Makes it's a Kirk's gr- team. Makes a great throw to Jamison Crowder. Great throw to Josh Doxson. Gets the win. Escapes. But again, that pick six is why you can't trust Kirk Cousins. If you go, if you want to go 9-7 and seven, you're in a weak division, you want to escape play wild card weekend every year, Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. He is. If you want to be a team, a powerhouse like the Seahawks or Patriots, Kirk Cousins is not going to get that done for you. We're incompetent. There is going to be some sucker out there that overpays Kirk Cousins. It could be the New York Jets. But I think the Redskins have been pretty smart in not giving this guy a long-term deal. And for their sake, I hope they remain smart because Thanksgiving night did nothing to change my opinion on Kirk Cousins. All right, when we come back, we're going to keep these calls going at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. And keep the tweet, tweets coming at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Also, when we come back, Every rat likes its cheese. Mr. Anonymous, I think we found out who you are in the New York Giant locker room. Listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Call Amy at 855 212 4CBS. Like, whoa, like, whoa, like, whoa. That's right. This is Sean Morash, aka Moraz, here on CBS Sports Radio. If my name or my voice sounds familiar, that's because you're probably familiar with me being the fat guy on the DA show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon on CBS Sports Radio. Or in the years 2013 and 14, when these overnights launched on CBS Sports Radio, I was alongside DA on the mothership for those great overnight days. But it's a pleasure to be here hosting last night and tonight, yesterday morning, this morning, wherever you are, and getting a getting a crack to host solo here. When it's time to replace your battery, trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to help you choose the superstar battery that's an exact fit for your vehicle. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every 
day. The spider 2Y banana of sports talk. <laughs> we will get to who is the rat and Mr. Anonymous in that giant locker room that led to so many problems because I think I have it figured out in just a moment. But first, let's continue with the phones here at 855 212 for CBS, that number again is 855-214-227. If you're just tuning in, Dak Prescott's a franchise quarterback, folks. His dreadful performance on Thanksgiving shouldn't change that. The Cowboy problems lie a lot deeper than Dak Prescott. And we're taking your calls on that. Mike in Baltimore is here. Mike, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, cool. Happy holidays, Mraz. You too, Mike. What's Appreciate up? Appreciate the phone call. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you right now, to say that Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback, I mean, to me, it's it, it reminds me, it rings bells of when they said that RG3 was a, a franchise quarterback. Oh. I see them as the same type of people. I see them as the same guys. You know, they're system quarterbacks. There's no way that he, he is a franchise quarterback. Come on, dude. Okay. But, but hold on. So you can be with Mike. Mike, so hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So they say Joe Flacco is not a franchise quarterback. If you put Joe Flacco in front of that line with Zeke as the running back and he's got the receivers that he has, I mean, granted, they're not, they're not the receivers they were, Witten and, and uh, uh, whatever his other name is. I don't even want to give him credit. But if you give Joe Flacco that, I'm, come on. Dak Prescott, no, it's not going to happen, bro. All right, Mike, Just, thanks for the call. I want to make one thing clear. I'm a Joe Flacco guy. I think Joe Flacco is a franchise quarterback. But don't go telling me Joe Flacco doesn't have any offensive linemen when Marshall Yonder's been one of the best offensive linemen in football and he's been sitting there protecting Joe Flacco. Do I think the Cowboys are better this year with Joe Flacco as opposed to Dak Prescott? Maybe they have one more win or two, but Joe Flacco's play has regressed significantly the last two years and there's no denying it. And the only reason he might win another game or two over Dak doesn't make him a better franchise quarterback. It's because Joe Flacco runs a very similar kind of offensive scheme that Tony Romo ran for all those years, but only Joe Flacco's healthier. So I think Joe Flacco would fit the puppet, the clapper that is Jason Garrett in his offense. That's exactly my point. When you say these guys are system quarterbacks, you could be both, you know. You, you could be a franchise quarterback and a system quarterback. You just have to be a smart coaching staff and a smart franchise to, to understand the system that your quarterback needs to be in. And right now, we're running Tony Romo's offense with Dak Prescott, and that's dumb. It's foolish, and the only reason it's doing that is because Jerry Jones is infatuated with this Tony Romo era and what he has in Jason Witten and Des Bryant, and he either can't say goodbye or can't acknowledge the fact that Des Bryant shouldn't be paid like a number one wide receiver. He can still be on the team, acknowledge that he's a number two and he's a red zone threat, kind of like Brandon Marshall was brought into the Giants this year to be with Odell Beckham being the number one receiver. We know that didn't work out. Charlie, Youngstown, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Charlie? Charlie? See ya. You're not on CBS Sports Radio. Kelvin, Dal Dallas, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, man? Hey, what's happening, man? Happy Thanksgiving to you. Okay, you had a good one? I had a great one, Kelvin. What's going on? Happy Thanksgiving to you. All right. Hey, I'm just calling. Hey, I'm a Cowboy fan, but like I told everyone during the offseason, the Cowboys' uh, front office choose a different route. They choose not to pay anyone. Instead, they draft a lot of rookie players, and I said that was going to be their dying fall on the defense. They just have too many rookie players on defense. And other than that, uh, actually, Jerry Jones no longer running the uh, front office. It's Stephen Jones, his son. He's making, He's calling all the shots. Right. He and Will McClay. 
Right. Stephen Jones is calling all the shots, so we're told publicly. And Stephen Jones, to his credit, apparently ripped the draft card out for Johnny Manziel a couple years ago when Jason Garrett wanted to make that selection. So if that's really the standpoint, then yes, Stephen Jones is running the team. But as long as Jerry Jones is there, Jerry Jones still has final say. I mean, he's at war right now with the other owners over Roger Goodell and backing off but not really backing off and really just hates the fact that Zeke got suspended and an NFL protest. Jerry Jones, as long as he's there, he's calling the shots. But you bring up a, a weird point to me, and that is that they have too many rookies or young guys on defense. This is a young man's league. They took Jalen Smith two years ago to be a big-time linebacker, and they thought of that as a steal. Sean Lee is banged up because he's always banged up, and the moment he goes out, that Cowboy defense falls apart. Hello, big problem there. That's a guy who's always injured. If your defense falls apart when that guy gets injured, you have a problem. So it's not that you have too many young guys on defense. It's that you don't have enough healthy leadership or the proper coaching to get those young guys up to speed. A lot relying on Anthony Brown on the outside. Orlando Skandrick, not the same corner he was pre-knee injury. I don't buy those too many young guys. You need young guys to win in this league. There's just not the right young guys, or at least the right coaching staff, getting these young guys into the way. Uh, Rick in Atlanta. Rick, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, yes. How you doing? I want to kind of tell, a, tell along to what you were saying and what some of the other guys were saying. But I want to add this, too. Do you believe in karma? Do I believe in karma? I think I do. Uh-huh. Uh, this Jerry Jones, ever since he's been with the Cowboys, uh, what he did to Landry and what he did to Johnson was wrong. He had, had a team with Johnson. Johnson could have took him a long way. He is just getting back with what he claims he, he's trying to do. He needs to step out of the way. Hire the people to do the right football thing because he's an owner. Stay in the owner's box, be quiet, do what you got to do. That Prescott is a franchise quarterback. He is. He is a great quarterback. I wouldn't you call know, him great, but he's a franchise RG3 quarterback. Thing, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? No, I'm saying he, he. I wouldn't call him a great quarterback yet, but he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and he is. He is. He's not an RG3. He's definitely not an RG3. To me, he plays better than RG3. And everything. I, that's fair enough, Rick. And he does play better than RG3. Now, I don't want to pile on RG3 here because with RG3, I think, and I don't think this is out of line when he runs Rookie of the Year and he, and he looks incredible. The real problem was Mike Shanahan ruined him by running him back out there in the playoff game and he was just never the same with injuries. And as we saw stories that would emerge later on, wasn't necessarily the best locker room guy. But he had all I the ability. I still view myself as the best. He does still view himself as the best. Still a good, he was a good player. He could have been on the right track, and injuries began that derailment, then frustration, and then we saw what he was made of mentally. Dak Prescott, absolutely franchise quarterback. And also, you bring up karma there. Okay, so he got rid of Jimmy Johnson, and that's karma for not winning. They did win a Super Bowl with Barry Switzer. I get that it was Jimmy Johnson's guys, but wouldn't karma mean they wouldn't have won that Super Bowl? I think the definition of karma is a little off. This is Mraz here in it for After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You could follow me on Twitter at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. CJ tweets at us, two words why Bill Parcells didn't last as coach of hashtag Cowboys Nation. By the way, enough with the nations. Jerry Jones, a.k.a. the puppeteer. Yeah, Jerry Jones ruins things. He can't have nice things because Jerry Jones, it's all about him and nobody could be above him. Jerry Jones pretends like he cares about winning, but he's really about the bottom dollar and how he's perceived, uh, perceived publicly. 
and that's he wants to be a giant success story. Jerry Jones doesn't know what it's like to win in the NFL in 2017. We haven't seen winning for Dallas Cowboy football in a long time. Let's keep the calls rolling here at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. Kathy, Dallas, Kathy, happy Thanksgiving. You're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, listen, I love what your host is saying about the receivers because I don't understand. Well, hold hold, hold on. What the host is saying about the receivers? That's what you want to talk to the host about? I think. You want to talk to the host about the receivers? Yes. Okay, hold on one second. Ah. Hey, Kathy, this is Mraz at CBS Sports Radio. Kathy, I, I love hey, what's going on? You. Oh, yes, because when does it stop being part of a, an elite wide receiver's job to get open? I mean, you know, does Bryant what? He's going to know he'll be double-covered, you know, but why not? But, I mean, isn't that part of their job to get open? I yes, think that's a, I would say it's a big Prescott part of the job. It's an excellent, excellent quarterback. And I say that as a brutally wounded LSU follower, you know, from the <laughs> SEC. And I remember what does, what he could do. You're breaking Prescott up. Prescott is excellent. He I, is excellent. And thank you so much for the call, Kathy. That's pretty good. Kathy had to go through a couple producers there to get to me to make her point. Yeah, rece- We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Receivers, if you're an elite receiver, you do have to get open. But thank you for the call, Kathy. And I'm sorry for your LSU Tigers. But thank you as a Giant fan for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, let's keep the calls again. 855-212-4CBS. The number is 855-212-4227. Roger. You're going to have to repeat that. Roger in Clemson. Roger, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Am I on now? <laughs> yes, you are, Roger. What's going oh, on? Oh, man. What a great night this is. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Roger. Did you eat good today? I ate well, not as good as usual. I'm usually a three-plate guy. I only had one plate of the turkey stuffing deal today. I don't know what was wrong with me. I think I worked the overnight last night into today. I was too caught up in football. I, I'm going to make up for it on leftovers on Black Friday, though. I hope you ate well, too. Okay. Well, I'm calling from Clemson, South Carolina, and I'm an old guy. But here's what I want to say. If you'll listen to me for just a little bit, uh, and this thing about Clemson, because them boys seem to be getting that done for us for a year or two or three here now. Right. And we're proud of it. And, yeah, go Tigers. But this Jerry Jones thinks, man, I mean, good Lord, get him off of TV. I mean, <laughs> Roger, Roger, I agree. Isn't that great? When you see, This is what I'm talking about with Jerry Jones. It's all about Jerry. When you're watching a Cowboy game, they're on national TV all the time, we get those shots of the box, and there's Jerry, there's Jerry, there's Jerry. I mean, a couple of years ago, we saw Jerry Jones picking his nose on Sunday Night Football. If that doesn't define Gold Digger, I don't know what it, what does with Jerry Jones. Enough with him on TV. You may bring up a good point, Rod. And that's, again, that's the Dallas Cowboy brand. That's what you're watching for. And we overanalyze. Oh, look. Maybe they don't have a franchise quarterback. This is Jerry's team. He's got to have a franchise quarterback. He doesn't have Romo anymore. Dak's a franchise quarterback. Relax. I teased coming into this segment that I think I have found out who Mr. Anonymous was in the Giant locker room. The rat. Because just a couple weeks ago as the Giants were free-falling before that ridiculous win over the Chiefs that was as ugly as ugly got, several players were getting suspended. We saw Dominic Rogers cromartie get suspended. We saw Janoris Jenkins get suspended. And then a report was out 
where an anonymous player, you know, came out and said Ben McAdoo had lost the locker room. How could you suspend two of our biggest players? Well, those two players happen to play the position of cornerback, and that being Janoris Jenkins and Dominic Rogers Camardi. So somebody taking that to heart led me first to believe maybe it's somebody in the quarterback room. Then the inactive list came out for the Giants tonight before this Thanksgiving game, and Eli Apple was a healthy scratch for the second straight game. Now, Eli Apple was a first-round pick just two years ago, kind of a surprise at the time, and heading into the draft, he was ridiculed by a lot of uh, you know, supposed draft Knicks as being kind of like a, a mama's boy. He couldn't cook. There were a lot of weird stories about that, and it never made any sense. Like, why would you not draft a guy because all he could do is heat up Hot Pockets and he can't cook himself dinner? Well, fortunately... Well, unfortunately for Eli Apple, last week he was inactivated versus the Chiefs as his mother was going through brain surgery. She is now home. She is healthy. She's everything. She's back to tweeting. She tweeted a picture. That's Annie Apple. That's Eli Apple's mother of John Maris sending her flowers. So all is good on the home front now for Eli Apple. So if that's why he was inactive last week, that's fine. But now on a short week, he's inactive this week. It's not like this guy has to learn the playbook. He knows what it's all about. But then, while he's inactive, the Giants didn't win tonight. But they were flying around on defense. Doris Jenkins was trying. He had to pick six. It didn't look like anybody was quitting anymore. They didn't quit last week versus Kansas City when they mauled that chief defense. And they certainly didn't quit on Thanksgiving night versus the Redskins. It was the Giants' offense that was a disaster. What's the common denominator now? Why is the defense woken up for the Giants? Why are they suddenly playing hard with hustle? Oh, Eli Apple's not out there slowing things down a corner? Could it be that Eli Apple is the bad egg? I believe Eli Apple is Mr. Anonymous. He's the one with those anonymous quotes. And those quotes were leaked to ESPN and Justina Anderson, who happened to work side-by-side with Annie Apple last year because ESPN gave Annie Apple, Eli Apple's mom, a job. The direct pipeline for all those connections and, and being close is there. And the direct pipeline and the direct correlation of the Giants' defense suddenly waking up and Eli Apple not being out there and being a healthy scratch? Well, I think the Giants and Ben McAdoo and Steve Spagnuolo know what's up. Eli Apple's a problem in that locker room. He's Mr. Anonymous. Okay, we have a big second hour here coming up. A lot to get to. I still want to touch on the Iron Bowl as well as that's got big, big, big implications And for Alabama, they didn't play tonight, but their resume was hurt tonight. We'll explain that a little later on. We're going to keep these calls flowing here at 855-212-4CBS and keep the tweets coming in at Mraz CBS on the topic of the night on whether Dak Prescott's a franchise quarterback or not. We're going to find out from the heart of Dallas next is Roy White from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. The Cowboys Radio Network will join us. And we'll ask him, is this a Dak problem? Where and how embarrassing was this day? In terms of Cowboy history and Thanksgiving, that's Roy White from 105.3 The Fan of Dallas. Joining me, Mraz, on CBS Sports Radio, next. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. 
Barakura. Doing it at the highest level and doing it on command. And yes, I say that tongue in cheek. I tell it like it is. I don't care if people call me a hater. This is the best night on the air ever. Could make for very entertaining radio. Boom! Take that! Barakura. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Yeah, this is Mraz filling in here for Amy Lawrence on After Hours on this Black Friday morning, officially, if you're on the West Coast. And we've already been here. Welcome. If you've been on the East Coast, Central, Mountain Time Zone, we're on Coast to Coast here on CBS Sports Radio. Big topic of the night, of the morning, the funeral. We all wore black. Might have been a little turkey gravy and cranberry spilt on the black shirts. But we buried the 2017 Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. It's over. And it may be a while before they're good again if they don't get smart in building around their franchise quarterback and Dak Prescott. And we will continue to get to your calls on this at 855-212-4CBS. That number is 855-212-4227. And your tweets at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. But first, we got to go down to the Big D. We got to get the Pulse down there. Our affiliate is 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And down there is a man by the name of Roy White, who is part of the morning show with Sean and RJ down there, who get to have Jerry Jones on once a week and discuss everything with them. And Roy's down there, and they're talking Cowboys football all the time. And he's a big Cowboy fan himself growing up in the area. So let's get into Chargers Cowboys with him right now. Roy, welcome to CBS Sports Radio. Happy Thanksgiving. Roy, I think we lost Roy there for a second. So you guys will let me know when we have him and he's up. And yeah, the Cowboys, just an utter disaster here on Thanksgiving. The San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm sorry. They kept calling him the San Diego Chargers throughout the whole day because Tony Romo was confusing me as, as he was a shot. Oh, we have Roy ready to go here. All right, Roy, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, Sean. Much better for you than for me, I'd imagine. This has to be a painful day for you, Roy. In your life, where does this rank among all-time embarrassing Cowboy games for you? And perhaps was this the most embarrassing Cowboys Thanksgiving performance in your lifetime? Mm. Oh, it's it's hard to put a context on all-time embarrassing performances. Uh, I think back to the final game at the old Cowboys Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens when they just laid down, uh, gave up. 90-yard runs to a pair of running backs who were only in the league for a couple of years at a time. Their names aren't even really re- worth remembering at this point, but it was 44-16. to 16. They got blown out. Uh, as far as the Thanksgiving losses, I would have thought the RG3 game a couple of years ago, back in 2012, when they put the nail in the coffin on the Cowboys season at that time, and Robert Griffin III came in and just embarrassed them, put up 38 points uh, in, in the blink of an eye in about a a half and a quarter, and the game was well out of hand by that time. That was an embarrassing game for sure. But to watch the Cowboys for the third straight game have a quarterback throw for less than 180 yards, to watch them miss what appeared to be nine tackles on a wide receiver who ran into the end zone with barely any resistance late in the game when you were still in it you were still in the game yeah this absolutely ranks right up there with some of the most embarrassing performances the Cowboys have ever put out there on a field certainly on the field at AT AT&T Stadium and there's a lot of them uh, in that context for sure 
Roy White joining us from our affiliate 105.3 The Fan in Dallas following the Cowboys funeral, so to speak, at the hands of the Los Angeles Chargers. Roy, is the belief amongst all the Cowboy fans you hear from every day or all the Cowboy media that you are surrounded by that the season is over following this loss? Or are they going to be like Tony Romo was in the booth trying to just rationalize the wins and and figure out where they're going to come from the rest of the year? I don't know what what anybody could be grasping grasping for at this point. If you're grasping, you're grasping for sweeping the table. I mean, you're you're grasping for running the table at this point. And Cowboys fans are devastated. This was a game that from the beginning of the season up until this week, most Cowboys fans said to themselves, "We'll beat the Chargers." The Chargers are a good football team. They're a decent football team, but we'll beat the Chargers. We can pretty much write that one as a W down. At no point this season, whether it was when they started 0-4 or having won four of their last five coming into that game, did most Cowboys fans even consider the idea that the Chargers could come in here on Thanksgiving and embarrass them the way that they did. So at this point, if you're asking me what the basic reaction is from most Cowboys fans, it's now turning an eye on Who's to blame? Do we need to fire the head coach because of this awful performance? We absolutely need to look at some people in the coaching staff. And the big question that everybody's going to ask after this game, the third straight performance, as I said, of 180 yards or less passing the football, maybe quarterback is on the table when it comes to drafting uh, in, in, uh, in 2018. Roy, you're a part of that morning show in Dallas on 105.3 The Fan, our affiliate, where you guys get to speak to Jerry Jones weekly, and he's been known to say some crazy things. I am of the belief, and I'm not a Cowboy fan, I sit back, neutral observer, I think Dak Prescott's still a franchise quarterback, and today didn't change my mind on that. But if Dak continues to be the turnover machine he's become in the last couple weeks, will Jerry Jones do something drastic at the quarterback position this offseason? It's going to be a hot talking point uh, between you and me. I agree with you. I still think Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback. I still think he's someone you can win with if you build the right system around him. And up to this point, I mean, you had seen over his first year and a half, he had the right system around him. When Dak Prescott has the threat of being able to use his legs, uh, he was averaging over eight yards a carry on these run pass options that the Cowboys had kind of become great at running while Ezekiel was still playing. But now with the guys that they have in the backfield with their wide receiver weapons, they just don't, uh, he doesn't have any help. And a lot of people in Dallas thought that the return of Tyron Smith would make a huge difference. It might make a difference in terms of giving him a half a second to look down the field, but the fact is, if none of the wide receivers are getting any separation, if Jason Witten is running a 5-5 at this point and basically catching balls based on where his body position is, uh, if Des Bryant can't separate from the players that are defending him, and if they're spending more money at the wide receiver position than any other position on their football team, you have to ask yourself, there's other places to look at. So I think it'll be a hot talking point. The way Dak has played, obviously, he's going to take a lot of heat. People are going to make comparisons to Tony Romo and say, look at how Romo got killed. And he was trying to do the same thing. He was asked to carry a team that had nothing around him. But the fact is, when you look at this team, there is some talent on the roster, but it's not in the places that you thought you had it. They thought they had talent at the wide receiver position. They don't. 
apparently. So now when we go into next season, we've got to look at, A, are these guys worth what we're paying them right now? And, B, maybe in the first or second round, wide receiver is where we need to look because that's a position they haven't really addressed, they haven't hit on since Des Bryant came in the 2010 draft. That was almost a decade ago. So it's been a long time outside of Ezekiel Elliott that they found a legitimate playmaker on the outside. Roy White joining us here from our affiliate 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the Cowboys radio network. Roy, are the Cowboy fans down there starting to realize and accept what I am trying to tell everybody here on CBS Sports Radio, that Des Bryant is not an elite receiver anymore? I think they're slowly starting to realize that it's a painful it's a painful pill to swallow, right? Uh, you have a guy who in his first three seasons averages 90 catches, 1,600 yards, and over 10 touchdowns a season. You have that guy, and he's 28. You think he's in his prime. But unfortunately, whether it's the injuries that have plagued him, whether it's some of the hamstring issues that he's had in the past, or whatever it is that's held him down, unfortunately, he's just not that same guy anymore. And they're paying him $16 million to be that guy. You're absolutely right. In terms of number one, number two wide receivers, you know, I can't even really compare him to the latter stages of, of what Brandon Marshall was doing in his career. I mean, he went to the New York Jets, and even though he had lost his his burner speed, he was still able to get it done from a possession standpoint for several years after that. And for some reason, when it comes to Des Bryant, I don't know if it's whether his route tree is limited or his physicality just isn't as imposing as it used to be, or he just doesn't. I mean, it's clear he doesn't have that breakaway speed. I don't know if he ever had it to begin with, but it's really hard to put your finger on what it is with Des Bryant. However, if you watch the games, it's undeniable that he is not the same wide receiver, the same Pro Bowl wide receiver that he began his career as. All right, Roy, we've seen the Ezekiel Elliott situation play out, and it doesn't matter whether you think he was guilty, not guilty. The fact is he's serving this six-game suspension in the offense, has completely gone in the tank without him. But we saw what happened this offseason after knowing these allegations were against him, whether it be the nightclub incident, whether it be per- pulling a girl's top down. For the Dallas Cowboys going forward, they have to be thinking, right? Like, Is it a mistake to continue to build around Zeke and rely on that guy to be the focal point of your team? Oh, it'll be a great question for us to debate. I mean, look, you know sports radio is all about questions like these, and this one we will have into the offseason, Sean, because, yeah, it may very well be a mistake to keep relying on guys like these who have shown you in the past they have a propensity to do things off the field that can get them in trouble on it and with the league office. And unfortunately, the Cowboys have never shied away from that. It's why they were able to get the talent in Des Bryant when they did. I mean, Des Bryant, with what he did his first couple years in the league, there's no way he should have been available when the Cowboys took him late in the first round of the 2010 draft. But he was there because of the off-field issues. For the same reason with Ezekiel Elliott, now, you know, he was going to be there at number four anyway, and a lot of people, myself included, would have advocated taking Jalen Ramsey at that spot. But what's done is done. And at this point, I don't think they have a choice. To be honest with you, I don't think they have a choice. They can't rely on Alfred Morris. They can't rely. Obviously, Darren McFadden's pretty much quit on this thing. I don't know why he's even still on the roster because the fact that he's been inactive for the last three weeks just shows you how inept and how out of it he's been. That the guy they kept on the roster for the entire year for this exact moment wasn't even ready to go when Ezekiel Elliott wound up getting suspended. But either way, 
they don't have anything else behind it. And they can't hope, uh, you know, we could take a stab in the draft next year. Sure. Maybe we get lucky and we get a Jordan Howard in the fourth round or, but, but outside of that, I mean, you're, you're taking moonshots, unfortunately. And the Cowboys right now, they, they've kind of got to go with what they've got in Ezekiel Elliott because the fact is when it comes to the draft and when it comes to trying to build a team, what this team needs, there is so much going on that it needs that to try to address the Ezekiel Elliott backup running back situation, it just wouldn't make any sense because it wouldn't make you, it wouldn't bring you any closer to competing for a Super Bowl, which is ultimately what this team is all about competing for in the end. Roy White joining us from our affiliate 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Roy, before I let you go, I have to ask, is there anything in the world you would wake up for in the middle of the night on Black Friday to go out shopping at Walmart? Not a thing. Not a thing. Now, uh, this is speaking from a, a, a new father. Uh, I got a kid for the last six months or so, and he's just starting to sleep for the night a little bit. So right now, my sleep is precious to me. And unless a wall-sized television, like 50 feet, was available to me, for less than $100, there's absolutely no way I'm going out there and fighting these lunatics that are going to be out there. But if you are out there, uh, thank you so much for uh, keeping keeping our economy so great. That's Roy White here from our affiliate 105.3 The Fan in Dallas covers the Cowboys. Roy, I appreciate you joining me. Man, do I feel sorry for all you Cowboy fans down in Dallas. You know you're not sorry. Don't you dare do that to me. You're right. Growing up a Giant fan, I could never truly feel bad for any of you Cowboy fans when you go through a little misery. You can follow Roy White on Twitter at RW3. That's 3-T-H-R-E-E, not the number sign. Roy, dilly dilly. Have a good weekend. You too, Sean. That's Roy White from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And oof, agrees with me, man, on this Des Bryant thing. And they need to start hitting on playmakers in the draft beyond Zeke. Uh, we are coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Hey, college football fans, you juiced up for this weekend, the final weekend of the regular season? I know I am. I'm fired up. It is a football Friday, after all, at this point. When we come back, Alabama's college football playoff resume took a major hit on Thanksgiving, and they didn't even play. Morass, CBS Sports Radio. Again, the pistol formation. Ridley comes towards the formation. Quarterback keeper rolls right, throws to Smith. Wide open. He's in. Touchdown, Alabama. Third TV of the year for Irv Smith, Jr. The young man we featured in the pregame comes calling with the first touchdown of the day. Now, first and goal. Handoff, Najee Harris. He'll take it in over right side for a three-yard touchdown. And Alabama up by another score. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Those calls from Eli Gold on Learfield Sports. Roll Tide, the Alabama Crimson Tide, as we head into rivalry weekend, the final regular season weekend on the college football docket. A lot of games getting going here on a Friday, a football Friday on this Black Friday. But on Saturday, a couple special ones. Michigan-Ohio State has to try to follow that classic that was last year. Although with a down year here for Michigan, a very overrated year as they just keep ending up in the top 25, I don't feel like that game is going to be the strong point of the day. The strong point of the day is going to be the Iron Bowl. 3.30 p.m. Eastern, Alabama-Auburn. And for the first time since 2013, the Iron Bowl is a winner-take-all matchup for the SEC West. And why do you ask, why does, that, why does 2013 ring a bell? That was the kick-six game. 
one of the best college football games we've sat down and watched in the last 25 years. And this game has kind of the same feel, especially after what Auburn did to number one ranked Georgia just two weeks ago, where their defense was mauling Jacob Fromm. Their offense got cooking, and they won a big game at home. And here they are at home again, facing Alabama 11-0, 7-0 in the conference, with all the marbles on the line. The winner of this game is going to go to the SEC championship and play Georgia. And then the winner of that game probably ends up, I mean, the SEC champion will end up in the college football playoffs. So Auburn is live here. But make no mistake about it, as all the dominoes fall and all the wackiness that can unfold between the final weekend of the regular season and then conference championship weekend and where we shake up and where the committee ultimately goes with this college football playoff, if Alabama loses the Iron Bowl on Saturday and they finish the season 11-1, and 7-1 in their conference, they're out. They don't belong in the college football playoff with the one loss, along with an SEC champ putting two SEC teams in the college football playoff. There's no place for that in my eyes. There just isn't. Because Auburn then could go 2-0 versus Georgia, get in, and we're going to put two SEC teams in, and that means that two of the five power conferences are out. The Pac-12 is, is donezo. And we're not going to get two ACC teams in. But even so, if this situation were to unfold and we had a classic ACC championship game between Clemson and Miami where Miami loses on some last-second field goal to Clemson they were in the game the whole time, you can make the case, well, then both those teams do deserve to get in over Alabama, who flopped in the Iron Bowl, if that is what happens. And the reason I say that, Alabama is Alabama, and they have the reputation, and they have Nick Saban, and they have been the number one team in the country well, at least the last couple of weeks since Georgia was no longer the number one team in the country. But they really, their resume is not any good. I'm sorry, SEC faithful down there in the South. You can call me at 855-212-4CBS. That number is 855-212-4227. We're going to keep getting the calls here, especially on Kirk Cousins and on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. We're going to get to all of that. But here on the Iron Bowl, your resume is not good enough. You don't beat Auburn, you ain't getting in. And you don't deserve to get in. And why? Well, it took another hit tonight. Or on Thanksgiving night, if you're just waking up, the Egg Bowl was brought back on Thanksgiving, and Mississippi State had to battle through injuries throughout this game, but ultimately lose to Ole Miss, who is has their own bowl band going on. They won't be playing in any bowls. This was it for them. They upend Mississippi State, and Alabama survived by the skin and the hair of their chinny chin chin over Mississippi State a couple a couple weeks ago. While that Miami Notre Dame game was going on, and while Oklahoma TCU was going on, there was Alabama on the verge of losing to Mississippi State, and they get a late field goal and run away from that game. And that was the game. Everybody said, well, that's the big top 25 win. That's the stamp for Alabama. They are Alabama, and they proved it. Well, now Mississippi State loses to Ole Miss. And what does that mean on Alabama's resume? You look back at that Mississippi State game and go, well, they just lost to Ole Miss. And I know different circumstances, rivalry game and everything, the Alabama win is suddenly not that impressive. It was ugly, low scoring, and needed every break to go their way. So if they lose to Auburn and they're out and they're not even playing in the SEC title game, I don't want to hear that the Tide belong in the college football playoff and the SEC, where everybody down there thinks that's it, that's the only college football that matters. You don't deserve two teams in the college football playoff this year. What, are you kidding me? Not at all. Let's get back to the phones here on CBS Sports Radio. Boz. From FedEx Field is calling us. Spaz, you still in FedEx Field? Were you lost in the upper deck? You're on CBS Sports Radio. 
Oh, yeah, just getting back to the Redskin game at FedEx. <clears throat> right there, uh, low-scoring game. I expected that. But um, this is what I want to talk about. Owners own, coaches coach, players play. Okay. My boys did it today. I predicted the Chargers would win the West. Don't get crazy. They had, what, a kid from South Korea who missed, what, two big game-winning field goals. I knew this team has the talent. They showed it today. I got. I told everybody beginning of the year, I said, call me crazy. I got the Chargers winning the West. Look at the talent that this team, this football team has. You're right, Boz. You're right, Boz. And thank you for the call. Chargers have the pass rush. They have the bookends. They have Ingram. They have Bosa. And the offense is getting it done. If the Chiefs lose to the Bills on Sunday, the Chargers hit the starting 0-4 or a game back in the West. They are one of the most fascinating teams to watch down the stretch in this NFL season. I don't think you're breaking any ground there, and I think a lot of people will be hip to that now after seeing them destroy the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Tom in Maryland. Tom, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Uh, but I, I've heard you say some things. I just want to make sure I got it right. You you say Dak is a franchise QB. Yes. Uh, the Redskins stink. And they Cousins, do. You, you don't like him. You hated his pick six tonight, and the Redskins shouldn't pay him. Do I got that right? The Redskins should not pay Kirk Cousins. And I, I just don't think he has the same ceiling that Dak does. He just doesn't. Uh, okay. Well, Dak played. Dak has had one good year on a team last year that was loaded. Kirk's never played on a team as good as what. Well, aren't Dak we finding out now that year? that team wasn't loaded? If you look at the roster huh? now? Aren't we finding out now that the Cowboys roster isn't as is, is exactly loaded as we thought? No, they got, they're missing their running back and the guys are injured. But let me just finish by saying this. Let me tell you something. Kirk Cousins blows Dak Prescott away, and there's not one team in NFL that wouldn't take Cousins over Prescott. Then why so, aren't the Cowboys? Give, and why aren't the Redskins giving him an extension, Tom? Why haven't that been done? Why are they just stringing him oh, along with the I franchise? Don't know. Do you think the Redskins front office is really competent? Because we don't around here. Maybe you do. Uh, I I think any franchise is smart enough to realize when they have a franchise quarterback. I think the Redskins just aren't believers in it, and nor should they be. What has Kirk Cousins done? Did Kirk Cousins, Kirk, he had his shot at Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Did he go toe-to-toe to him with the way Dak Prescott did last year? No, he didn't. He didn't look good in that playoff game. And that was at FedEx Field. So, please. But I'm glad you had a good night and you got to watch the Redskins beat up on my team, the Giants, as we tank for Sam Darnold. Thank you. And this is Mraz here on CBS Sports Radio. In for Amy Lawrence on After Hours. Speaking of Kirk Cousins... You want to know, okay, is he a franchise quarterback? We're on that topic. Dak, Kirk Cousins. We're going to ask a guy who who knows. And that's Craig Hoffman. He covers the Redskins for 106.7, the fan in Washington, D.C., our affiliate. He was at FedEx Field like you tonight, Tom. I'm going to ask him that question next on CBS Sports Radio. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is After Hours, and this is Mraz, not Amy Lawrence here, as she is off for the Thanksgiving holiday. And we witnessed slightly an embarrassing Sunday night game, not nearly as embarrassing as five years ago with the butt fumble, but nonetheless, it was ugly. It was Giants, it was Redskins, it was at FedEx Field, and Craig Hoffman covers the Redskins for 106.7, the fan in Washington, D.C., and he was there to witness this. Craig, what's going on? 
Sean, I am very, very happy because the Redskins season is not over, and that means the relevancy of my job is not over <laughs> for the next six weeks. So I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, let's start right there. So the next, this is the first meeting between the Giants and Redskins, and obviously, as we know, it was ugly. And from my perspective, I don't hide the fact that I'm a Giant fan. When we get to the last game, New Year's Eve, when these teams meet again, will it mean anything for the Redskins? I would say probably not. The odds are not in their favor just because there's so many teams ahead of them in the standings. Um, you know, they fought a ton of adversity this year, injuries. Uh, they've had the league's toughest schedule. There's a million reasons why, but just the, the results, the math says that it probably will not mean anything. Now, their schedule has finally softened. Obviously, the Giants on it twice, and I can tell you that they're not very good right now. And a lot of that, you could probably point to some injuries as well. Um, but it's, it, they basically need to win out, at least go 5-1, and one, and that's just so hard, especially when they've got so many pieces missing. Yeah, and now you head into next week's game versus the Cowboys, who look like they're going to be a disaster, so you would think the Redskins have them right where they want them right for the picking. Kirk Cousins offensively, the team sputtered today. He made a beautiful throw to, to Jameson Crowder, made another big throw to Doxson. What was what's the deal with the Redskins offense? I know P. Ryan running the ball maybe didn't give the complete effort you wanted, but he had 87 yards at one point midway through the uh, fourth quarter. I had a big second half. What what about the Redskins offense today? You know, changed from what they did versus New Orleans, where they were just lighting the world on fire. Yeah, I mean, part of it is just they didn't have the protection. You know, Trent Williams played against New Orleans. He may be the best left tackle in football. He doesn't play tonight. Uh, you know, their starting left guard Sean Laval is out. Um, and the guy that they used as the backup last week, Ty Insecki, uh wound up playing left tackle for them. So they've got an Ari Kwanja who they cut after training camp and brought back a couple weeks ago. Uh, their backup center, Chase Roulier, broke his hand in last week's game, played three quarters with it, but then had surgery this week. So they're playing a guy in Tony Burke from his center who played three games there for Oakland in 2015, I want to say it was. Uh, and he hasn't played center since. He's been playing tackle and guard. So you go from really good offensive linemen um, and all-world in Trent Williams to three backups, and it showed. Um, and their other offensive linemen aren't healthy. So I think that had a huge deal to do with it. Obviously, they, this is also their first game without Chris Thompson, who's been their best offensive weapon this year and played a big part in that Saints game even before he got hurt. So I, I think that has a huge factor. They only had two days to prepare without their best offensive weapon and those guys playing different positions on the offensive line, which you saw was a fairly discombobulated effort, but they were able to come up with the plays they needed to, and Cousins hung in there. I think the one thing that this team has is resiliency, and they showed that. Craig Hoffman joining us from our affiliate 106.7, the fan in D.C., covers the Redskins there for us. Craig, the first two games on Thanksgiving had far more playoff juice, and for the most part were a little more eye-appealing. For Giants-Redskins, though, I think on this Thanksgiving Day, we witnessed the most bizarre moment of the day, and that happened on a fourth-down situation for the Redskins where they originally called a punt, called the timeout, came back out with the offense, and the offense gets a delay of game penalty, not ready to snap the ball as Kirk Cousins looks to call another timeout. Obviously, you can't do that. Did you get any explanation from Jay Gruden as to what the heck happened there? 
Yeah, and so part of this explanation, I think, kind of takes him off the hook amongst reasonable people, but then I'll make a larger point that doesn't. So what they did was they called a play out of a certain personnel grouping, not realizing that one of the people in that personnel grouping had an injury and had their shoes off on the sideline because they were getting a toe worked on. I don't know who that was. But when all of a sudden you run some guys out there and there's one missing, they tried to change personnel again at the last second. By that point, the play clock is running. And that's just, that's just a breakdown of communication. It's not really on the coaching staff. Um, that's on the medical staff for not letting them know that that player is not available. Um, and and it's, it's almost a misfortune kind of thing, um, bad luck more than it is anything else. That said, they should have never had to call the timeout in the first place. It's fourth and a foot. Have a play ready to go. It's obvious you're going for it there. And I think that indecisiveness you can absolutely put on Gruden um, more than you can the bizarro needing to call a second timeout slash not being able to. Uh, coming out of a timeout and getting that delay. That's just, that just stinks. You have a guy that doesn't have his shoes on. And you're going, what, what are we doing here? Um, so that, that's kind of what happened. Jeez, who knows? An ingrown toenail could have affected a fourth down play for the Redskins. We're talking with, uh, with Craig Hoffman from Affiliate 106.7, the fan in Washington, D.C. All right, Craig, I think I know where you're going to go with this, and I'm pretty sure you're going to disagree. You might even hang up and get angry. We see the two big throws from Cousins tonight, and we see him light up New Orleans, which have been playing great defense, and we've seen the ups and downs of Kirk. But then you see that pick six he throws to Janoris Jenkins tonight, and that's what I look at and I go, Kirk Cousins is going to make a team in the offseason a sucker for overpaying for him. There has to be a reason the Redskins haven't committed long-term yet, and I think the Redskins have been kind of smart with this where many people think they haven't been. I don't buy Kirk Cousins as a guy that you put under center and you can consistently rely on to go out there and win 10 games a season and get you in the playoffs every year. I think this is a 9-7 and seven quarterback that will win you a division when the division is weak. Make the case for Kirk Cousins for me. The, the case for Kirk Cousins is that he's continually getting better. Um, the last three games, I mean, today was kind of a, a – a, a, today was just weird, you know, with all the moving pieces and all that kind of stuff. But his supporting cast this year is not an impressive thing. Like, it's one thing when you're doing it, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, you know, 2015, 2016, he's got the same offensive line basically the entire year, both years. Uh, this year he's had moving pieces all around. He hasn't had Jordan Reed the entire year. Um, Chris Thompson was kind of a savior for them. Then he breaks his leg and he's out. So you have all these moving pieces, and he's still been able to keep them afloat, and he's done it by making throws. He's been gutsy in the pocket, and he's also expanded his game. He's extending plays like he never has before. So I think that facet that he's continually growing is one that is worth paying attention to. He's really, really smart. He reads defense as well. Um, he's, he's become more of a leader, too, commanding the huddle. Um, it, it's, it's a hard case because I was actually just talking about this with some of my, my colleagues in the press box. Like, well, the interesting thing about Cousins is there's so much evidence on both sides. You know, the pick six tonight, I wouldn't necessarily say is there. His foot got caught in the turf, and the turf here stinks. Um, and yeah, that, that was obvious. A little bit of a high, uh, high throw. But there are plenty of other examples of him doing really odd things or making bad decisions. Obviously, the, the end of the game the, that ended their season last year against the Giants is one you can point to. Um, he had an interception that was very similar against the Cardinals a few weeks prior. Um, so th- there's plenty of evidence on both sides. But I think if you're going to make the argument for Kirk Cousins, it's got to be that his arrow is still trending up, even though he's been in the league for, what, six years now, I think. You know, it's his third as a starter. He's getting better. You know, going into year four, five, six, could he really hit his stride? And I think the other argument is, like, 
could he beat Joe Flacco when the Ravens won the Super Bowl? He, yes, absolutely. Like you could win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. He is capable. Like his good is really good. He gets hot at the right time, and you're looking at a team that could go on a run in the playoffs. I, I firmly believe that. The question you have to ask when you pay him is, what kind of cast can you surround him with to, to get to that point? Obviously, for the Ravens, when they paid Flacco, their team went to hell otherwise, and his play went down with it. I don't think Cousins' play would go down, and he's actually doing more with less this year. Um, but it, but it's it's a fine line. I, th- I think he's somewhere in like the, the upper half of quarterbacks in this league. But is he twelve or is he eight? And what do what does either of those evaluations cost you? Totally fair enough. And this is Craig Hoffman calling in from our affiliate at one hundred six seven The Fan in DC. Covers the Redskins there. All right, Craig, before I let you go, and this is probably in the realm of maybe only I care, but when the game started <laughs> today and, and the NBC intro comes out and they do the shot of FedEx Field, there were a lot of empty seats to start. It looked like it filled out more as the game went on. How did Redskin fans respond to playing on Thanksgiving night? Was the tailgate scene crazy with deep-frying turkeys, or did it seem like many fans just stayed home because it's tough to get to a game on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, it's tough to get to a game here at any point. Uh, FedEx Field is not exactly a geographic prime location. Um, and when I got in, I, I was in pretty early today, and there was a huge tailgate scene, um, and there were a lot of empty seats. I, I think it's one of those things where you have a lot of people that go out of town for the holidays, so you're looking at, you know, one million less in the metro area. Um, you're talking about a, a, a weekend where not as many fans are going to travel because, you know, uh, typically to get here from New York, as you know, it's not that hard. Right. Um, but you're not leaving your family. So unless like your family's in D.C. and you want to come down and, and come to the game, I just I think it was a bad combination of a lot of things. And oh, by the way, uh, these two teams are not exactly moving the needle massively right now. I think the Reds, because obviously as we talked about, are holding on by a thread. But no one's like, oh yeah, I got to go see the Giants because the Giants stink. I am well aware, Craig. I have watched every grueling <laughs> snap of this season. And yeah, unless you're a Lions or a Cowboys fan, it's I find these Sunday, these Thursday night games on Thanksgiving to be fascinating depending on on who's hosting them because the fan base is just simply not trained to go to these kind of games. Uh this is Craig Hoffman. He's been great with us here. Covers the Redskins for 1067 the fan in Washington DC. Craig, I know you're going to get home, finally get under the covers. Any Black Friday shopping you're going to do on your way home here? Uh, probably not on the way home, but I might check out some deals before, uh, before I hit the sack for the night. You know, got to get some new headphones. I got, I got some stuff on my list. All right, Craig Hoffman into the Black Friday. I appreciate that. Well, Craig, enjoy your Black Friday. Happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for joining us. You got it, Mraz. Anytime, man. Craig Hoffman, 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C., was at FedEx Field on Thanksgiving night on his way home from the game after the Redskins beat the Giants 20-10 to in a game I thought would end up being more embarrassing than the butt fumble of five years ago, but it didn't quite reach that level. This is Mraz here in for Amy Lawrence on After Hours. You can usually find me running side-by-side, not really, on the other side of the glass with DA on the DA show, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on CBS Sports Radio. I am the Fictator, if you listen to that show very into my food, and our followers know that. If you can follow me on Twitter, at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S, you can tweet me there. Raphael tweets, great start to the show tonight. Plenty of energy and smooth presentation. I've never been called smooth, but my head is smooth. Nice and bald. Need a, need a rundown of the Thanksgiving and the Moresh household later. Well, Thanksgiving today, I told you, you got to start slow and finish fast. If you listen to my five keys at Thanksgiving yesterday, I did start slow, very light on the antipasto. I had some provolone, some salami, all that. I did have a piece of lasagna, which you do with the Italian Thanksgivings. 
And then we got to dinner. And dinner for me, mashed potatoes, stuffing, turkey, smoked turkey. We had two different types of turkey. There was a, my cousin's husband smoked a turkey. Excellent. I even surprised with quite a few veggies this year. I had carrots were on my table. And how about this? And this is maybe this doesn't, you know, exactly qualify as a vegetable. Asparagus baked with prosciutto wrapped on it. I have never seen this in my life. And I walked into a situation where I had prosciutto, one of the great meats, one of the great delicacies in American history, was wrapped around asparagus, which is actually pretty good for a vegetable. So I had my greens and I sold it wrapped in a salty meat. And that was probably what I ate the most of on Thanksgiving. I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't get it. And then dessert rolled around. And when dessert rolls around, it's rapid fire. At that point, you're just running up the score, right? Not five, not six, <laughs> not seven. Yeah, that's where I did the most of my damage tonight. I went piece of chocolate pudding pie, piece of apple pie, piece of homemade ice cream cake. Aunt Lucille, shout out to you for that. A ton of cookies, which I brought some in for the staff here tonight. Some of them dipped in uh, chocolate as well. So, I mean, cousin went all out on that. And I had several cannolis. And then the cannolis carried over into the giant Redskin game. I probably put down an eight-pack of cannolis. Oh, oh my, oh my gosh. I was a slob. Now, the biggest disappointment for me, though, is when I just rattled off the turkey, the stuffing, the smoked turkey, that sounds like a lot, right? But we all eat a lot on Thanksgiving. I only have one plate. I pride myself as a fat slob, as a guy who will eat three plates at Thanksgiving. I only had one. I'm still an ass. You probably could say, I, that's good for me. I needed to lay off, and I made up for it with the near dozen cannolis I had, but it's, it's disappointing for me. You got to make double duty on the turkey, but I have plenty of leftovers. I'll be getting into that Friday. I'm going to watch uh, Bruins-Penguins into that Thanksgiving showdown. I'll watch some Missouri-Arkansas, a lot of football. So when I wake up, I'll get right back into the leftovers, and I'll treat that like it is my second plate. And speaking of these Thanksgiving games, Poop fest. how about the halftime shows today? Jason Derulo was garbage during the Lions-Vikings. I'm a huge Thomas Rhett fan. I'm a big country music fan. I thought he did a good job, halftime Cowboys-Redskins. I mean, I'm sorry, Cowboys-Chargers. But they're putting these fans down on the field to try to treat it like it's a mini version of the Super Bowl halftime shows. They're not even dancing or into it. Can we get fans of these musicians actually there to liven up these halftime shows? Come on, give me a little juice. Thomas Rhett, he didn't get the credit he deserved from the dancers. All right, when we come back, I think we might have the next Rich Gannon on our hands. What do I mean by that? Stay locked in here. This is Mraz in for Amy on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Most of the nights that we do this show, we are looking back. We're talking about what just happened on the court, on the field, on the ice, on the diamond, in the police blotter, whatever. We're reviewing the day normally, and actually, that's why I love working nights. People say to me all the time, don't you want to work prime time, quote unquote. This time slot is great. Everything has just finished up. We get to talk about the major storylines in its immediacy when we want to react. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. 
This is Mraz here on CBS Sports Radio as Amy Lawrence taking off for the Thanksgiving holiday, a well-deserved couple days off for her. This is Sean Mraz. You usually hear me with DA on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on CBS Sports Radio. But happy to sit here and uh, get the opportunity to host filling in for Amy, carrying you through the overnight on CBS Sports Radio. Ike Feldman, James Graceffo on the other side of the glass. Gotta love these two. It's like Mike and Ike. Gotta have it. James, how you doing? Hi, Shawnee. What's up? Thanks for all the help tonight. Oh, you, not a problem. You, you look know slightly you. less disheveled than you did last night, so I think you had a good Thanksgiving. Do you really mean that, or are you just saying that? No, I mean that genuinely. Okay, good. I mean that. You look are, very are well you saying, groomed. Like, what's the point? Like, what's the one thing that you could point out about me that looks less disheveled than yesterday? Your hair is less in your face. Thanks, man. So I, I'll yeah, take that. Yeah, I combed that. it today. Yeah, okay, a comb. We will take a comb. Conditioner and a comb. We'll take key. a comb. Ike Feldman has trotted in after a Thanksgiving night. He, you can usually see him with Amy Lawrence. He's Mr. UFC with some mediocre podcast you can hear on Play.it outside the cage. Radio.com now, Sean. Oh, Radio.com. <laughs> nice to have you, Ike. Okay, well, we've gotten into everything here tonight, especially off the big Thanksgiving slate. Dak Prescott. He's not to blame for the Cowboy problems in their slide since Ezekiel Elliott got suspended. He is a franchise quarterback. And we've been taking your calls on that at 855-212-4CBS. That number is 855-212-4227. And your tweets at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. But forget Chargers-Cowboys because that was a blowout. Giants-Redskins was just a slop fest in which the Giants continue to be the Giants that stink for Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. The game of the day was how we started the day. And that was in the NFC North, Vikings-Lions. Lions, everything on the table. A win for them actually would have put them a game behind Minnesota in the race for the NFC North. Instead, it wasn't to be. Although, it could have been as Detroit rallied and had blocked a field goal and was running it into the end zone for a chance to tie and force overtime for what could have ended up being one of the more classic moments in Thanksgiving football history. But it was an offsides on Darius Slay, and then field goal goes through. The Vikings win. They beat the Lions. I think, no, forget I think. I believe. I owe Case Keenum an apology. I am not a believer and haven't been a believer in Case Keenum. And for that reason, I have not been a true believer in the Minnesota Vikings when I scope out the NFC. I buy the Eagles. Carson Wentz looks legitimate and seems to be the real deal. How can you not buy the Saints? Coach-quarterback combo is always key in the NFL. And Drew Brees and Sean Payton have already had a Super Bowl. It's been a long time since then, and now they finally have it going again with a good run game and a good defense. I buy what Sean McVay is doing with Jared Goff. That's an upstart young team. How do you not buy Cam Newton and Ron Rivera? Maybe some don't, but remember, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago, and the Atlanta Falcons now are sitting in a playoff spot, and they've gotten red hot. But what separated the Vikings and why nobody's bought them is because Case Keenum continues to be their quarterback. And all this has gone on while Teddy Bridgewater, who suffered that devastating knee injury in August of last season and didn't get to step on the field, went through this long rehab, busted his hump, and now he's finally activated the last couple weeks as the backup as Sam Bradford now is faded with another knee injury. And it seems like Viking fans, some of them, and I think people in Viking front office positions, and probably Mike Zimmer, the way he's reacted in a lot of these post games has kind of just been waiting for the shoe to drop on Case Keenum so they can insert Teddy Bridgewater and build basically a Disney movie where Teddy Bridgewater comes back, 
from a knee injury where some question whether he'd even be the same again, and he takes the Minnesota Vikings to the promised land. Well, I think that Disney movie has to wait till 2018 because Case Keenum is not going anywhere, and nor should he. The Lions' defense came out flat on Thursday, but that's because Case Keenum came out throwing dimes. He's hitting Adam Thielen, throwing perfect passes to Kyle Rudolph in the end zone. And this is more than a trend now. This is legitimate. Case Keenum, he isn't the quarterback we saw last year with the Rams. Case Keenum can play. Case Keenum's earning a paycheck in this league. Unbelievable. Another, another big game for him, and the Vikings continue to roll. Now, the name Rich Gannon might sound familiar to a lot of you, and it should. The guy was an NFL MVP, but it took him a long time to get there. Case Keenum, I'm sorry, Rich Gannon, ended the league at 22 years old and played six years with the Vikings, starting off as a backup, then becoming a starter. Never started 16 games in a year, though, and really struggled, bounced around, ended up going to Washington by the time he was 28. Then he went to Kansas City for a couple years, and by the end of his Kansas City run as a, as a backup, and a spot starter, he earned himself a contract to become the full starter with the Oakland Raiders. By that time, he was 34 years old. He ends up meeting John Gruden as a head coach there. Rich Gannon plays four years with the Raiders. I'm sorry, six years with the Raiders. Four years, five years as a big-time starter with them. Wins an MVP and takes off late in his career. Becomes one of the more dominant players in the NFL by the time he's 34. And at 37, goes wild, throws for over 4,000 yards. And Rich Gannon becomes a household name. And we were kind of robbed of the Rich Gannon that we came to know late in his career because he just couldn't find the right fit and couldn't find the right coach to get what he truly was out of him. But he did under John Gruden. And then by the time all was said and done there, he was simply just too old to play the position, and he retired in 2004. Well, here we are 13 years later. And Case Keenum's now 28 years old. 28 years old, and he spent the first three years of his career with the Houston Texans. I'm sorry, the first two years of his career with the Houston Texans. Then he spent the last two years with the Rams. Los Angeles Rams. Has not started 16 games in a year before signing with the Vikings. Now, I'm starting to look at Case Keenum, and we've all killed him and said, well, we saw him with the Texans, we saw him with the Rams. He simply isn't a good quarterback. Uh, Look between the lines now. He had Bill O'Brien his first two years of his NFL career. Bill O'Brien was brought in from Penn State to be some kind of quarterback whisperer, and he just hasn't. He lucked into Deshaun Watson, who just has all that winning pedigree and was going off. And the moment Deshaun Watson got hurt, we went back to seeing Tom Savage stink for the Texans. Like, we've seen all these quarterbacks for the Texans the last few years stink. And the common denominator there is Bill O'Brien just can't get the most out of quarterbacks. Can't coach him properly. And with the Rams... You see what Jared Goff has done this year that he couldn't do last year because he has Sean McVay as his head coach? Well, who was his coach last year? The same coach Case Keenum had because Jared Goff replaced Case Keenum. The same coach Case Keenum had the last two years. Jeff 500 Fisher. Go Rams. Jeff Fisher, who couldn't get the most out of Vince Young, and now I'm starting to wonder if Jeff Fisher ruined his career. He was able to really get a lot out of Steve McNair and that fit him. But Jeff Fisher... Never got what he needed out of Sam Bradford. I know he got hurt with the Rams. And I don't think it was the right fit for Case Keenum. Mike Zimmer's a damn good football coach. He knows how to motivate players. And his defense is good. And if fit Case Keenum is the right system. But now Case Keenum, as good as that defense is playing, is winning games for the Vikings. 
he's always been thought of as a guy that you want as a backup in case your starter gets hurt because maybe he can manage the game for you. Case Keenum's not a game manager anymore. He's proven that this last stretch. And this is more than a trend. I think Case Keenum's for real. And he's 29 years old. So when he enters 2018 at 30 years old, he has the next eight years like Rich Gannon did to go out there, go play football. And heck, I think Case Keenum in the next eight years becomes an MVP candidate. Am I going crazy? Maybe I am, but I'm convinced now. He's legitimate. And if the Vikings don't want to hold on to him and they want to go back to Teddy Bridgewater, they drafted Teddy, I get it. Somebody go pay Case Keenum then. Maybe, Not crazy. Maybe it is crazy. Call me at 855-212-4CBS. That number is 855-212-4227. And you can tweet at me at CBS. Now, John Jastrzemski's filled in for Scott Farrell on Farrell on the bench on CBS Sports Radio the last two nights. And I thought he said something very interesting regarding Case Keenum on Wednesday night. He was discussing why you wouldn't believe in the Vikings to go win big playoff games and get to a Super Bowl and eventually have to go maybe play the Patriots, could play the Steelers. And the reason he couldn't buy the Vikings because he said at some point, Case Keenum's going to have to make a big throw to win a big game versus another big quarterback. He made big throws all day on Thanksgiving. And that's a big stage in front of a lot of people. He can make a big throw to win a big game. And he's got the receivers to do it. Diggs and Thielen are the most underrated duo in the entire National Football League. And they got a pretty good running game. Even after Dalvin Cook went down. Because Dalvin Cook could have been the offensive rookie of the year earlier in the year. And now McKinnon's running the ball well. Kyle Rudolph's an excellent tight end. And all this while they have one of the most dominant defenses in football. It's time we start taking the Minnesota Vikings pretty serious. Because they're about to run away with the NFC North. They're in play for a bye. And if they get a bye, they're very tough to beat in that building. That building gets loud. And, oh, yeah, where's the Super Bowl this year? Minnesota, where in Super Bowl history, no home team, the host city of the Super Bowl, has ever gotten into the Super Bowl to play a home game. Well, heck, it's Minnesota. It's freezing, even though it's nice and warm in that dome. But that week could get crazy. Let's get crazy. Prince... Blasting all week. Streets of Minnesota packed. Mall of America. Everybody riding that roller coaster, zipping around with the Case Keenum jerseys. And there we have it. Case Keenum in his home city, taking the Vikings there. Now, that's a Disney movie, more so than Teddy Bridgewater's comeback. It's very much on the table. Case Keenum's legitimate. Case Keenum is the next Rich Gannon. And buy high now. Because he could be an MVP candidate real soon if he isn't already this year. Are you buying the Vikings? Because I am. Are you buying Case Keenum? Because I am. Call me at 855-212-4CBS. That number is 855-212-4227. And tweet at me, at CBS. But if you didn't already have enough of that slop that was the Thursday night game between the Giants and the Vikings, the Giants went back to being who they are. And speaking of quarterbacks that could be available... Eli Manning might be playing in his final few games here with the New York Giants. And he could be on that market just like Keenum is in the offseason. Could he end up free? We'll talk to Art Stapleton, who covers the Giants next and was at that game at FedEx Field. This is Morass, CBS Sports Radio.
This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. All right, welcome back to After Hours. This is Mraz filling in for Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. And we welcome aboard our next guest. His name is Art Stapleton, and he covers the New York Giants for the record sports. You can find him, his stuff on Twitter at Art underscore Stapleton. And he was in the building tonight at FedEx Field where the Giants fall to 2-9 and nine after a loss to the Redskins. Art, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, <laughs> how are you, Mraz? I guess uh, when you talk about happy, I guess there are degrees of happiness and grateful for all we have, but... Not thankful to have to watch that performance by uh, by your Giants this evening. No. Certainly not pretty. No, my Giants indeed. And let, let's just go right off the bat here because there will be no bigger shill and defender and no bigger pounder of the payment to get into the Hall of Fame for Eli Manning than myself. But he's lost all his receivers. The right side of the offensive line was beat up. If it wasn't for garbage time, he would have not reached 100 yards passing for the first time since a game in London in 2007. Are we getting to the point where we're simply making too many excuses for Eli Manning? No, you know, I I definitely think that Eli is missing plays. I mean, but, you know, in his career, I mean, any quarterback misses plays. I think the difference right now is that the Giants are in a position where there is no room for error. And they need Eli Manning to lift them up from the doldrums in order to make plays and make these things happen. You know, look, he he missed Vereen on the little slip screen that, that would have popped for a touchdown. It was in in close. Uh, he overthrew Vereen. Thought he, you know, he said afterwards. He said, he, you know, I thought I had a, had less time than I actually did to hit Vereen. Uh, another glaring miss is he missed uh, Travis Rudolph on a crosser that would have given him the first down in, in the third quarter. Maybe swing the momentum a little bit uh, to the Giants. But look, I mean. You can see after the game, and I put up video on uh, NorthJersey.com. You can check out Eli's post-game presser. Is that nice plug you know, art? Nice plug. He's he's be, he's beaten down. I mean, you could see it. You, you see it. I mean, this is a two-time Super Bowl champ, and you know, look at the guys he's playing with. He's playing with practice spotters. You know, first-round rookies like Evan Ingram, who at this point, I don't know if it's a rookie wall, but they're asking this kid to do everything. I mean, they're asking him to be a, an all-pro or a pro bowler, and he's dropping a couple passes, and and he's putting so much pressure on himself. You know, the Giants can't afford to have Evan Ingram dropping three passes. You know, that that's the problem here is that if they were constructed differently, you know, maybe this offense didn't need Evan Ingram to be Odell Beckham Jr. in year three. And that's kind of what they needed for him to do when all those guys went out. But I think the bigger problem here, Mraz, is, is the offense in general. There's a lot of problems with this offense, fundamentally going back to 2014, that when you think about when McAdoo brought this offense here mm-hmm. and why it was brought here, uh, you know, do you know the last time they scored 30 points? Gee, I don't know. I don't think they reached 30 at all last year. They they haven't reached 30 points with Ben McAdoo as head coach. It was oh. Tom Coughlin's last game, and that's when they scored 30 points. So for for the Giants right now, that's the state of this offense. They, you can talk all you want right now about what they don't have, and it's totally true. You know, look, you can make excuses that this offense is lacking its top three receivers tonight. Beckham, Marshall, and Shepard, they're all out. You know, they didn't have Pew or Richburg, who expected to be, stall, you know, stall boards on this offensive line. They didn't have Fluker tonight. 
But the bottom line is this goes way back. I mean, it's 16 games in a row in which they they haven't scored more than 24 points. It's a long time, and this offense has been struggling. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that with the offense struggling. So they haven't reached 30 points since Ben McAdoo was the head coach. And even when he became offensive coordinator, they struggled that first year. And the second year, it seemed like the light bulb went off. But a lot of that, to be frank, was a defense that was bad and the Giants having to throw the ball and come back and score in games late. We saw it with Joel Fieldman when he left Green Bay, and now we're seeing it with Ben McAdoo when he left Green Bay. Were, is Ben McAdoo in that Joel Fieldman range where it was fool's gold because he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback in Green Bay and everybody saw that Green Bay offense and their eyes lit up? And with all the Giants' effort, they put forth effort tonight. They put forth effort versus Kansas City. Is John Mara smart enough to realize it doesn't matter how much effort they're putting up, he's got to make a change and get rid of Ben McAdoo after the season? You know, you you do. It's very easy, like from a from an emotional standpoint, to you know just say it's cut and dried. Yes, you know McAdoo and Philbin, they lived off Aaron Rodgers or McAdoo's success the last couple of years. He's lived off Odell, you know, taking an eight yard slant, eighty yards. But it, it has to go deeper for this team right now. Is that it wasn't long ago that that. John Mara and Jerry Reese and Steve Tisch and everyone else who was involved in the head coaching search felt as though McAdoo was going to be hired as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they said, you know what? We can't let this happen. We need to keep him here. Should have let it um, happen. Well, you know what? Hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, remember they interviewed Coughlin and McAdoo down in Philly and they end up with Doug Peterson, who's having the most success, you know, <laughs> Adam, unbelievable. You know, Coughlin's not the head coach in Jacksonville, but look, I, I just think, with with McAdoo, if you're going to say the offense is broken, fundamentally broken, and it doesn't work, you see what's happening in Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers, as you mentioned. You see what's happened with the Giants with and without Odell Beckham Jr. You know, he, the, the league is constantly changing. You know, it's constantly going back and forth. You know, McAdoo was asked in his press conference after the game today, you know, just the idea of, you know, is this off? Essentially, is this offense broken? And he said, "No, I thought we were doing good thing. You know, we started to get the run, the ground game going, and that's really what is a big part of it." No, it's not. Like they could talk all they want about the ground game. This was about a passing game that attacked and was aggressive, and the timing of the quarterback and everything else. Now, granted, the talent level has dropped off, so it's kind of hard to hold Eli accountable when Evan Ingram is dropping a pass or he's relying. He has to hold the ball long enough because Tavares King and Roger Lewis are not necessarily getting open against Josh Norman the way Odell Beckham Jr. would. But then Eli can't miss the play to Shane Vereen that would have been a touchdown. So it's not just one glaring thing. It's a bunch of little things, and that's the problem. If you had a mantra for the 2017 Giants, it's we don't have one big problem. We have a million little problems, and that's that's the the reason this team is 2-9. and nine. Never a good thing. We're speaking with Art Stapleton, covers the Giants for the record sports uh, in New Jersey. Art, nice enough to join us following the Giants' 20-10 loss in Washington on Thanksgiving night. Art, Eli Manning, you just mentioned two answers ago, feels like a beaten-down man, and who could blame him with all these injuries on offense? He has stated, and when all those trade rumors came up at the deadline, he doesn't want to go anywhere, he doesn't want to go anywhere. If they bring in a new regime and a new offense and a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and they have a top three pick and they select Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, is there any way to talking Eli Manning into waiving his no trade and either rejoining a guy like Tom Coughlin or Jacksonville or 
Ben Roethlisberger retires in Pittsburgh with that Rooney Mara connection. He speaks to Peyton Manning about you know leaving Indy and going to Denver and going to a winning organization. Is there any way Eli Manning's not the quarterback of the Giants next year? I don't think Eli Manning wants to play another down for any other team besides the New York Giants. I think that he's been pretty clear about that. You know, Archie Manning, his father, obviously, uh, a couple years ago at the Super Bowl, kind of made a passing comment. At that point, we weren't talking about Eli and, and you know, not just back nine, but uh, is he approaching 17, um, you know, to, to use Jerry Reese's analogy. You know, Archie said, look, I, I, I think, you know, I think Eli would, ra- would, would retire before he would play for another team other than the Giants. He and the Manning family essentially forced his way to New York to be a part of this franchise. He wants to be with, with the Giants. It's about his legacy. His family is here, his young family, three young daughters. Um, they built a house in New Jersey. You know, this is a guy who doesn't want to just go chase another ring. So I think that's important, too. Um, I do think that Eli Manning is the best opportunity, the best option to be a the starting quarterback for the Giants next year. Does he want to get into a situation where, like Kurt Warner was when Kurt Warner was with the Giants in 2004, and they were kind of hovering around 500, and Tom Coughlin went to Eli Manning? You know, does Eli Manning want to be that guy next year, where whomever the head coach is, whether it's Ben McAdoo or someone else? To go midway through the season and say, Eli, it's time. We've got to go with, like you said, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, whomever. Uh, I don't think he wants that, but I, I don't think he wants to walk away either. I think he wants to be here. I think he wants to be a giant for life. And I don't see any any outs here. And the, the one other thing I'll say is that it's been well-known, well-talked about throughout Giants history that, you know, Wellington Mara, one of the saddest days that he ever had as owner of the New York Giants, was watching Phil Simms walk away and the fact that they cut Phil Simms. And they, they kind of talked about that as one of those things that lingered, the, the sadness and the disappointment. As Giants fans, it's a lot easier to make that break right now. Right. Because you're thinking about what's coming next. And they're if never in this position. Of, they're never in this position to make a top right. three pick here. But if this is if this is part of John Mara's legacy, I don't. I, I think it's hard for him to look at it and say, "I'm going to do. I'm going to do what hurt my father for so many years and say goodbye to a quarterback that's meant everything." If you ever have time, go watch John Mara's speech about Eli Manning uh, when he accepted the Wellington and Ann Mara Award on Giants.com. They have a video. It was back in the spring. This spring. Talked about Eli Manning being, you know, the the one you want your child to to date or marry. You want him to be your son. You know, it's a tough call for him. They cannot separate sentimentality. Uh, but I also don't think that they would. Uh, but I agree with you. If it's a top three pick and you're sold on Rosen or you're sold on Donald, you take that guy, you bring him here, and then you figure it out what happens next year. You figure it out after the fact. And if it's clear that Eli is done next year. The last thing you want to do is say, you know what, we can't we can't part ways with Eli, and then you watch Sam Darnold somewhere else in the NFL kind of becoming a franchise quarterback for right. the next 12 years. I don't believe that they'll do that. I do believe that they would take the quarterback if they believe that quarterback is the guy to take them into the next decade. 
I hope that is the case. And that is Art Stapleton. Covers the Giants for the record, sto- the record sports. You could follow him on Twitter at Art, Art underscore Stapleton. Man, I'm all getting all tongue-tied here. Art, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy your Black Friday. I know you're probably rushing to Walmart right now for a big flat screen or something like that. <laughs> and uh, have a good weekend. All right, Mraz. Thanks, and keep up the great work. I loved uh, listening to you overnight last night, and then tonight, obviously, doing a great job. I know, uh, I know you like your day job, but your night job is doing pretty well as well. Thanks so much, Art. All right, Mraz. If you need auto parts but can't get to the store just yet, head to O'ReillyAuto.com. No shipping costs, easy returns, and convenient pickup on your schedule. Shop your way for the parts you need at O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. If you watch any of these Thanksgiving games, they are celebrating the heroes of the game all wrong. We will do it a proper way and respect one of the greats next on CBS Sports Radio. This is Mraz. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is Mraz here on CBS Sports Radio. In for Amy on After Hours. And when it's time to replace your battery, trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to help you choose the superstar battery that's an exact fit for your vehicle. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. We have to celebrate the MVPs of Thursday's game in just a second. But first, let's get back to the phones at 855-212-4227. That number is 855-212-4CBS. And don't forget, you can tweet at me, at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z. CBS, but Angelo in Toronto, you are on CBS Sports Radio. What's up? Mraz, what's going on, my brother? Long time no talk, Angelo. Uh, a Long. throwback to the old overnight days with the DA show. What's up? Yeah. What's going on? You all good? How was Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. I hope yours was good as well, although up in Toronto. Are you doing the Thanksgiving? You following Canadian rules? What are we doing up there? No, no. We do we do it every we do it. We do the American thing every year up here. Good for you. Good for you, yeah. Angelo. What do you got for me? What's going on? Just, just quickly, you made the comment about Case Keenum. Um, and thinking how the Rich Gannon situation, do you honestly think how, how comfortable would you feel with Keenum as the quarterback of the New York Giants for the next 10 years? Good question. So that's Angela trying to call me out and think that I'm not really pro Case Keenum because he throws back in my lap what I want him as the Giants quarterback. Would I be comfortable with it from what I saw? Yeah, I would. Now, the difference is the Giants are going to be drafting in the top three, so they will have their pick of either Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen if you, the 49ers don't trade out and, and they end up taking whoever else because they already have their quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. So the ceiling on a Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold is probably higher than Case Keenum because Case Keenum's already going to be 30. But, yeah, I'd be pretty comfortable. Now I would be. I'm in. I'm all in on Case Keenum. I was wrong. Sloppy quarterback play. The Giants have had a a lot of sloppy quarterback play. And speaking of that, I think Tony Virginia wants to touch on that. Tony, you are on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, what I tell you, Mraz, man? I love your show. Trust me, I love your show. I appreciate it. Let's let's get it straight, man. Eli is finished. He, He doesn't even look like a guy who wants the ball in his hands with two minutes left. He's scared to take control. 
He throws balls over people's heads as wide open. It seems like the big play that's oh, there, he's so excited to make it, to change, to turn around, and he blows it. Eli is finished. Go All right, ahead. Tony, thanks for the call. You say Eli Manning looks like he doesn't want to play in the last two minutes of these games. Would you want to play in the last two minutes of the games when you're getting your butt kicked? Because that's all the Giants have going for him. Eli Manning, let's not forget, was the quarterback of a team that won 11 games last year. And when he got to the postseason, had four morons for wide receivers that went out on a boat. And when they returned to play in freezing Green Bay, were warming up with their shirts off trying to prove something. And they dropped every single dime that Eli Manning was throwing their way. And then this year he comes in, and Odell Beckham Jr. is out opening day because he gets hurt in Cleveland. He's never himself before he gets knocked out for the year. Brandon Marshall, they signed, was a sloth, is no longer an elite receiver. He stunk. And Evan Ingram, who they brought in, who has been a nice fit at tight end, is learning the game. And since all these other guys have come, have you know gotten hurt, Evan Ingram is dropping every pass thrown on him. Eli Manning on Thanksgiving night threw a screen pass where he way overthrew Shane Vereen that should have been a touchdown. That was his only mistake for the night. He threw only just over 100 yards receiving because he's playing with nobody. Nobody. And they already had a bad offensive line to begin with, and now it's backups galore. Eli Manning is definitely on the back nine of his career. He maybe has three years left. But if you have a good team around Eli Manning, you could still win a Super Bowl. The problem is the Giants don't have that. And they have a top three pick, so it might be time to move on. But if you're a contender in the offseason, you call the Giants and you see if a wave is no trade because he can make all the difference in the world. Looking at you, Jacksonville. This game preview is brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. If your weekends are reserved for football, who's aren't, then you should be watching the games at B-Dubs, where all the fans are there for the same reason, to watch sports. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports. Sunday on a football Sunday, if you already hadn't had enough because we had it on Thursday, we get the Saints and we get the Rams in an enormous NFC matchup out at the L.A. Coliseum, Case Keenum's former team, the Rams, with Jared Goff and Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, that Ram offense, needing to prove something. Just last week, the Rams went up against another big boy in the Minnesota Vikings, and they stunk. They scored seven points. And they just could not keep up with that Minnesota defense. And then their defense faltered. And they just couldn't do it. Now the Saints have rattled off and had this big win streak. It's time for the Rams to prove they belong with the big boys. They lost to Seattle early in the year. They lost to Minnesota. The the Rams' marquee win was at Dallas. Now that win doesn't look so marquee, does it? So Rams-Saints, that's your game of the day on Sunday. If you're going to Buffalo Wild Wings, that's the game you want to watch later on on Sunday afternoon, and all eyes on the Rams. Are you guys for real, or are you frauds? That coming up on Sunday. Okay, we enjoyed Thanksgiving, right? There were MVPs at Thanksgiving, right? Well, why are these networks celebrating them all the wrong way and not the way we're used to in our childhood? When I grew up, there was John Madden with a turducken, and he sat there, and he picked his MVPs for the game, and he broke off the legs on that turducken, and he handed it to these players. John, we miss you. So now we pay tribute to you. And let's start with the first game of the day. We talked about how great Case Keenum was. The Lions kind of spit the bid on Sunday. But they got, in my opinion, the play of the day from Marvin Jones. Stafford, meanwhile, hustles them to the line on third down. Wants to throw one deep with a flag down. It is caught. Oh, my God. 
goodness, inside the ten, are you kidding me? Marvin Jones went up between two defenders, made the catch, took it to the house, touchdown Detroit Lions. That call courtesy of the Lions Radio Network. Marvin Jones... I, we've all become in love with the one-handed catch since Odell Beckham Jr. did that three years ago, and now it seems everybody can make a one-handed catch. I think Marvin Jones might have had catch of the year in the NFL today. His ability in a double team to go up and snag that ball, and at the time it put the Lions down one score, and that game got so interesting. Marvin Jones beasted on that, and Marvin Jones has been an underrated receiver in this league, specifically since coming over for the Bengals to the Lions, and he had himself a big boy play. And it wasn't Marvin Jones' fault the Lions lost today. He gets the first turkey leg of the day. Boom! <laughs> now we go to Dallas for that romp that was the Chargers as they buried the Cowboys in their funeral. And Phillip Rivers looked pretty damn good today, particularly to Keenan Allen. Throws to his left. Reception made. Keenan Allen breaks a tackle. 20, 15, cuts inside. 10, 5, another tackle broken. Touchdown, Chargers! Yeah, remember what I said about Des Bryant not being an elite receiver? He isn't. But you know who is? Keenan Allen, who's finally healthy this year. And boy, did he have himself a day. 11 catches for 172 yards and a touchdown. As long as the day was a 42-yarder. He was all over the place. Phillip Rivers targeted him 14 times. He's a beast when he's healthy, man. And the way he's playing right now and the way the Chargers are going... Keenan Allen could be a whole key for this Charger team to stretch fields and keep up if they make that, that wild card or heck, if they pass the Chiefs for the division. Keenan Allen, John Madden, be proud of you, boy. Boom! <laughs> and finally, oh, I thought this game would be more embarrassing than the butt fumble five years ago. It didn't quite live up to that, but it wasn't that good either. Redskins survived their playoff lives by beating the lowly Giants who couldn't master a win streak and fall to 2-9. and nine. Now, Kirk Cousins, I told you, threw that big pick, but I refuse to give a turkey like the Janoris Jenkins for that pick six after he flat-out quit a couple weeks ago. But you know who deserves one? I think the world of patience with draft picks deserves one, and that's Josh Doxson. Cousins throws, end zone, caught, touchdown, Josh Doxson! The Redskins take the lead. A strike from Kirk Cousins. Washington goes eight plays, 60 yards. The Birdman, Ian Eagle on Westwood one with the call. Yeah, Josh Doxson taken in the first round with the 22nd pick last year out of TCU. He kind of had that mold as a Julio Jones, maybe as a Becca, maybe as an Antonio Brown. And remember that big class Jarvis Landry came out as well in that Odell Beckham class with Mike Evans? I think people expected that out of Josh Doxson last year, and it just didn't happen. But this year, and specifically the last couple of weeks he's coming on, he now has four touchdowns on the year. And it just shows you, just because one draft class one year produces so many big-time players that explode right away at a position like the wide receiver position, doesn't mean the next year when guys like Josh Doxson aren't stars right away that they're automatically failures. Have patience. And the Redskins have had patience with Josh Doxson, and now it's starting to pay off. He's going to be a big-time receiver in this league, and I'm glad he got himself... A nice turkey leg on Thanksgiving. Boom! <laughs> and those are my turkey legs. Were my turducken legs here on a Thanksgiving? Wasn't that great? John Madden back in the day watching. Like, that's my childhood. I am 30 years old. 
Thanksgiving for me, I sat on the couch at whatever relative's house, and I couldn't wait for Madden and Summerall to call a game. And heck, I couldn't wait every Sunday for them to call a game. But those two in the booth on Thanksgiving, it was like they were part of the family. You wanted to pass the lasagna through to the TV to John so he could eat it and enjoy it. And when he brought out a turducken for the first time, you looked and you went, this man, if you were a fat kid like me, is a genius. A turducken? We got duck, turkey, and chicken all in one? What's going on here? So I had to pay tribute to him doing a show off of Thanksgiving night, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. And all three of those guys, particularly Keenan Allen, what a day. Also from that Viking-Lion game, as we talk about Case Keenum and how, how the Vikings are for real, how about the Lions? Aaron Rodgers gone. You let Case Keenum here with Minnesota make a run. Seattle now is banged up. The Cowboys and Giants aren't going to make it. You start scanning all those teams that made the playoffs in 2016 in the NFC, and you realize the Lions still had plenty of parts, specifically Matt Stafford, to get it done this year. And yes, are they alive for the last wild card? Sure they are. You'd like to see well, maybe the Falcons slip up. But now the Falcons, because they won in week three against a Lions team that was 2-0, hold the tiebreaker over the Lions. The Lions at home on Thanksgiving missed a golden opportunity to cement themselves as a true playoff contender. And it's a team again that started 2-0. And I can't fathom what's happened to the Lions. They don't run the ball consistently. Matt Stafford's got the targets. I know Golden Tate's been banged up this year, but he's got Golden Tate. He's got Marvin Jones. He has Eric Ebron, although they never seem to use him correctly either. Maybe Chip Caldwell really is a bad head coach. I mean, I can't figure this guy out. Whether it's with the Colts, whether it's with the Lions, nothing ever makes sense with Jim Caldwell. He's up, he's down. There's no consistency there. And the Lions have blew it this year. They blowed it. Big time moment on Thanksgiving, and they choked. And that's on Matt Stafford. You want to be an MVP candidate, you want to be an elite quarterback. Go win games and go make the playoffs when everything else in your conference collapses around you. Don't be a team collapsing too. And that's what Matt Stafford did. All right, when we come back, it was a sad day for some. We had to witness a funeral on Thanksgiving. We'll discuss that next. It's on CBS Sports Radio. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We always like the sexier storylines, the more dramatic storylines. We prefer to watch train wrecks. Ooh, here's a good way to describe it. You'll understand right away. Here's Amy Lawrence. Here's Sean Mraz, who's filling in for Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio on this Black Friday morning. Let's go, North America. Happy Black Friday. Have you trampled anybody for a PlayStation 3 yet? I hope not. Or play, I'm sorry, PlayStation 4. Yikes. I'm living in the year 2009, apparently. Well, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving with a lot of mixed emotions. Thanksgiving's about friends and family and gathering and, and seeing Aunt Sue and seeing Cousin Larry. You know, maybe we only see them three times a year, and we get together, we ask everybody how they're doing, and we say what we're thankful for, and we pass the food, hopefully stovetop stuffing and not any crafty, crazy recipe that your aunt is going to claim is better than stovetop. But you bring everybody together, right? And you want to be happy and you want to rejoice. But Thanksgiving 2017 wasn't just about happiness. We witnessed a tragedy. We had to witness a funeral on national TV. And as I fight back tears, or maybe those are just meat sweats, I sat there Sunday afternoon and I realized what all of America had realized. It was over. 
The 2017 Cowboys season was over. The funeral was there. There went Dez. There went Dak. They all went home. There would be no January football in Arlington in Jerry's world this year as he still fights with Roger Goodell for no reason. Because the Cowboys season ended in what can only be described as the most embarrassing effort they have ever given on Turkey Day. To have a team come from L.A. who hasn't played in front of a home fan base all year come to your house on a short week. Because remember, the Cowboys get that benefit of having a team play on Thursday in their building every single year on a short week. And that should be a win for them or at the very least a competitive loss. How embarrassing is it to wake up on Black Friday today and be a Cowboy fan? Oh, yes. So embarrassing. How about them Cowboys? But the biggest story coming out of that game is going to be how quickly everybody jumps off the Dak Prescott bandwagon now after two more interceptions. He's suddenly become a turnover machine over the last couple weeks. And I am sure there are Cowboy fans today. And I shouldn't say just in Dallas because you have a bunch of frauds living all over the country that can't root for their local team that are Cowboy fans. And they're going to go, I don't know about this Dak Prescott. He's not Tony Romo. I don't think he can get it done. Look at all these interceptions he's throwing now. He can't do it without Zeke. If Zeke's not in there, Dak Prescott's not a real franchise quarterback. You know what I say? Shut up. Dak Prescott's a franchise quarterback. Dak Prescott's going to win games in this league if the Cowboys do the right thing by him. And what's the right thing by him? Stop surrounding him with Tony Romo's old aging parts because the Cowboys have gotten old real fast. Des Bryant's been in this league about a decade already. And his name's Des Bryant, and he was a first-round pick. So everybody looks at him and goes, well, that's Des Bryant. That's the number one receiver. Uh, No, he isn't anymore. Des Bryant targeted just five times on Thanksgiving and did absolutely nothing again. Have we seen a star player look more invisible this year than Des Bryant ever since he's foot injuries? He is an elite, and he's not even a number one, and that's who the Cowboys give you the number one receiver. And then when you have a number one receiver who's not really a number one receiver, you look at the number two to kind of pick up the slack, and that's Terrence Williams. And Terrence Williams only works as a number two receiver if your number one's a dominant player, which he isn't. So in reality, you have a number two receiver and a number three receiver playing the roles of a number one receiver and a number two receiver. And they're running and playing the same system that Jason Garrett installed for Tony Romo, and it doesn't work with Dak Prescott because they're two different styles of quarterback. But the Cowboys and the idiocy that is that coaching staff didn't realize this because all their warts were covered up by the fact that Ezekiel Elliott was a running monster. But the problem with that, again, is is that Ezekiel Elliott is an immature child who, in the midst of an NFL investigation for domestic violence, decided to spend this summer ripping girls' tops down in public and going to get into fights at nightclubs, showing no lack of maturity, the maturity that Dak Prescott showed by not getting into any trouble in the offseason and taking his job seriously, and now he's the one being ridiculed while that idiot Zeke is suspended because the Cowboys didn't realize they couldn't rely on this guy. So now the Cowboys season in 2017 is gone. It's done. They went from 13-3 and three in 2016 to this garbage this year. And what you saw on Thanksgiving was the biggest piece of garbage yet to date from the Cowboys this year. It just was. 
embarrassing. And that defense, too, without Sean Lee, boy, do they stink. They can't get a stop. They're not good on the outside. Orlando Skandrick's not good anymore. They expect too much out of Anthony Brown. Demarcus Lawrence is a nice piece. But the Cowboys, again, front office, Sean Lee, much cut from the same mold of Des Bryant and Jason Witten, who's gotten to be 100 years old, or in that Jerry Jones' beloved Tony Romo Cowboy you know, grouping core that he's obsessed with, Sean Lee is never healthy and hasn't ever been healthy in his career. When he's out there, he is the leader of that Cowboy defense. But they have no leadership when he's not out there, and you can't rely on him ever to be out there. So now the defense gets absolutely shredded. Jerry Jones has spent so much time this offseason and this season worrying about Zeke's freaking suspension and claiming that there was no evidence and that he shouldn't have been, that he, I'm sure, had brainwashed Stephen Jones into thinking the same thing, that they, didn't, that they didn't realize and think, oh boy, well, there's a real shot the NFL's going to win here and Zeke's going to be out six games. Are we sure we're good enough behind with it, with it, if Zeke's going to miss any games to go handle our business? Are we sure? No, but that's cowboy arrogance out of the Jones family. Because they actually thought they would beat the NFL. They thought the appeal system would work. And Zeke would not sit any games out this year. And they would be 13-3 again because Zeke would keep rolling. Well, guess what? The NFL won. And you lost, Jerry. And you lost, Steven. And now you guys look lost. Because you were so obsessed with that Tony Romo era of Cowboy football. That, by the way, resulted in just two playoff wins. Two. And didn't sniff a Super Bowl or come close to one. But that, that core that you had of Jason Witten and Des Bryant and Sean Lee, those are the guys we have to have. Those are the heart and soul of the Cowboys. Well, guess what? Now they're old now, and they don't fit. Specifically, Witten and specifically Des Bryant even more so. They don't fit what Dak Prescott does and what Dak Prescott needs. Dak Prescott needs young, athletic players that are going to be able to move around. They're going to run some quick slants. But I guess that also comes with the coaching, with the puppet that's Jason Garrett. Because you got to mold your system to fit Dak. Dak is absolutely a franchise quarterback. He is. Those two interceptions on Thanksgiving did nothing to change my mind on that. He is not the problem with the Cowboys. If you think he is, I want to hear you hear you on the phones at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. But the problem with the Cowboys is management and it's coaching, and it's the fact that Jerry Jones will never get a big head coach in there either because he's got to have the guy be a puppet for him and a clapper the way Jason Garrett is. Let's clap it up. Good job, Des. Five targets today. Clap it up. Can't get open. Well, Jerry, I hope you're nice and embarrassed. I hope you wake up on Black Friday and you realize that the whole country is laughing at you. And, I am a monkey fan. And laughing at this freaking roster you put together because you stink. You absolutely stink, and it's going to be a cold, dark, dreary December in Jerry World with no playoff football on the horizon. It was funeral day on Thanksgiving. Ding dong, the Cowboys are dead. Follow me on Twitter at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. I'll be reading your tweets here for the next hour. And let's get back to the phones at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. Todd is in Pennsylvania. Todd, you're on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Now, I know you're a Giants fan, so allow me to indulge you in fandomhood. Okay. <laughs> so please give me a moment, and I'll get to my point. Um, I've been watching the Cowboys 
from at least 72, possibly 73. I've been through the good, the bad, the weird and ugly. I remember crying as a child when they lost those two Super Bowls to the Steelers. And um, what, for one thing, you better add the Giants to that funeral, too. Well, okay, yeah. Thanks, and, thanks Todd. Thanks for the call. We better add the Giants to the funeral. You think? They're 2-9. and nine. The Giants' funeral happened in week three when Jake Allen kicked the ball from the parking lot to beat them and get sent them to 0-3, okay? This has nothing to do with me being a Giant fan calling the Cowboys season over. I know the Giants stink. I had to watch their disaster on Thursday night as well. But you know what? At least the Giants were dead and buried a long time ago, and they put themselves in a position to have a good run for the next decade and draft a big-time quarterback if they're smart by losing. The Cowboys now are going to be stuck right in that middle. They're going to finish, what, 7-9, and 8-8 and eight, and have that mid-range pick. But that's fine. They don't need a quarterback anyway because, again, they have a franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott. And you're going to have the Cowboys going, oh, what injury-prone college player can we stretch for in the second round and have everybody think we're geniuses? You're not geniuses. You're a bunch of morons that ran that roster out against the upstart Chargers. And let me say this about the Chargers. You want a team to root for in the AFC as we hit December? It's the Chargers. And you know why? Because right now when you look at the AFC landscape, you have the Steelers and you have the Patriots and a whole bunch of nothing. The Jaguars or Blake Bortles are not beating the Patriots. The Chiefs, the way they're going right now, are you kidding me? The Titans, not a chance. So if you look at the Chargers, they sit now a half game back of the Ravens for the final wild card spot. And the Ravens, the way Joe Flacco has been no good either. Although the defense has played well. If the Chargers sneak in, and heck, they could still win the West if Kansas City keeps collapsing. They have, I feel, the best pass rush in football with Ingram and Bosa. They can make plays. Keenan Allen's healthy. He's on the outside. Phillip Rivers is still pretty damn good, and it's been a while since he's been in the playoffs. When you ha- when you want to beat the New England Patriots in playoff football, what do you have to do? you got to hit Tom Brady and make Tom Brady wilt and crumble. The Chargers can do that. So you root hard for the Chargers in this next month because they can spice up the AFC playoffs and slay Goliath. And we got a taste of that on Thanksgiving. All right, we come back. A big football Sunday coming up. This is a football Friday. If you usually hear me, Mraz, if you're familiar with my name or my voice, I am part of the DA show. I am DA's producer. His Batman to him being, oh, I'm sorry. He's Batman. I'm Robin. That kind of deal. Whoa. How about that? We do Up the Gut every Friday on that show, and Up the Gut is my football picks with DA. We will continue to do that here next in for Amy on After Hours, and that's all coming your way, plus your calls here. This is Mraz on CBS Sports Radio. I'm Batman. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is Mraz here on CBS Sports Radio. Filling in for Amy Lawrence here on After Hours on this Black Friday morning. We are coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Unless you're a Cowboy fan. We got the tweets rolling in at Mraz CBS. It's at M-R-A-Z CBS. Chris tweets, stovetop, heck yes, keep up the great work. Yeah, I never understand this on Thanksgiving, and this dilemma rolls around every year. 
Everybody has that relative that thinks they have the most creative stuffing recipe in the world. I add sausage. I add celery. Nobody cares. Stovetop stuffing is the greatest stuffing in the history of stuffing. And if your aunt's stuffing was so good, it would be being able to be purchased to be pre-made. All right, stovetop is the the king of all stuffings, and that's why we could buy it so conveniently, and that's the only stuffing you should be having on Thanksgiving. So thank Chris. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad you are into it. All right, let's get back to the phones at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. Ron in California. Ron, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Mraz, thanks for filling in for the great lady. But uh, Ventura, California is saying we would like to buy Das Prescott to play for our 49ers. Uh, Keep it up and say that he's not that great because you know and I know that he's better than Arnold Palmer, the Cardinals. He's better than golf at the Rams. Golf is just fake. But he would battle uh, the Seattle Seahawks in our division, and I think – he could beat the quarterback for the Seahawks. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So that's Ron. So when is that Thank, contract? Thanks, Ron. Thank you for the call. Well, two out of th- uh, one out of three ain't bad there for Ron. Number one, Das Prescott. I'm not sure what team he plays for. Number two, Arnold Palmer is now quarterback in the Cardinals. It's no wonder they've struggled this year. I suddenly have a hankering for some lemonade iced tea. I like what? the German Das Prescott. Yes, Das Prescott here. It's Oktoberfest. Well, Ron, I, why would the 49ers go after Dak Prescott? And Dak Prescott, again, I think he's a very good franchise quarterback. The Cowboys have to build the right offense on him. The 49ers just traded everything they could for Jimmy Garoppolo. Not everything they could. They really didn't give up much. And he's going to be their franchise quarterback. Also, the Cowboys would be stupid to trade Dak. But that's my point. If Jerry does something crazy and looks to trade him, I don't think the 49ers should be lining up. But there are a lot of teams that should be lining up to go draft Dak Prescott. Let's keep up with the phones. Let's go to Troy in Baltimore. Troy, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Moraz, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great, man. What's cooking? Hey, uh, not much, man. Not much. I'm on the road working, man. But listen, hey, I agree with you 100%. But I think that Dak won't take the blunt and the blame because, you know, everybody's been saying they want to see how, what he can do without Zeke and because they lost three in a row. But I tell Jerry this. I'm a Bronco fan, Moraz. You want to trade, trade Dak? I'll give him uh, uh, Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon right now for Dak. A little two-for-one on the quarterback on the quarterback trade. Yeah, absolutely right. Dak Prescott would be great with Denver. And you know what? I bet you John Elway would know and, and have the right people in place to make sure Dak is, is handled correctly and the right offense is built around him. And that's the deal. Dak Prescott has not played well the last couple of weeks, but he's being put in position to fail because the Cowboys built a team where they overrated their own guys. They overrate Terrence Williams internally. They overrate Des Bryant internally a lot. And Jason Witten, they have to be loyal to because he's a future Hall of Famer, but we all know he's aged out. It's probably time for him to to hang him up. And because they overrate their own people internally around Dak Prescott, when Zeke goes down, they go, oh, Dak's going to go take us home. Well, it doesn't work that way. That offense is made of sticks once Zeke goes down, and Dak Prescott's still a young quarterback. Let's remember that. Still a young quarterback. Needs to be, you know, matured a little bit and have the right pieces put in place in the right system and they have him trying to be Tony Romo light, and that's not him. It's just the whole system, everything is broken with the Cowboys once Zeke goes out. My point is it's not Dak's fault. You have the franchise quarterback. Go let Dak succeed. We saw plenty of good action there on Thanksgiving. Maybe not, actually. We saw two really bad games. But Sunday should be a lot of fun. And I am 
a putrid 13-19-1 picking games against the spread on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio, which is heard from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on many of these same networks when we do up the gut. I was 1-2 last week. This week, let's give it a whirl in this time slot and see how it goes. It's up the gut. Puffiness with football. Moraz gives you his NFL picks every week. It's up the gut. Well, following me on many of these same stations, in for Gio and Jones, will be the great John Kincaid. John Kincaid fancies himself as a big Eagle fan. Now, if he just heard the record I have at 13-19-1, he's not going to be happy with my first pick here. I'm taking his Philadelphia Eagles laying 13 against the Chicago Bears. The Bears put it all out on the line last week and lost by a field goal to the Detroit Lions. And if you follow the Bears trend all year, they're a team that you would expect to struggle with a rookie quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, and they just don't have the horses to keep up with dominant teams. And I have a hard time thinking they're going to put forth back-to-back big-time efforts versus potential playoff teams, although I'm not buying the Lions anymore. And the Eagles, unlike other teams who could have letdown games the way the Steelers do often in that own state, the Eagles lay the wood when they have to. I mean, they will crush teams that they are better than. So I have no problem laying the 13 points. I think Carson Wentz continues to roll. I think it'll be a long day for Trubisky versus that Eagle front. Give me Philadelphia laying 13 in game number one. In game number two... This might be the second most fascinating game behind the Rams and the Saints on Sunday. And that's the Bills in Kansas City and Arrowhead getting 10. Joe Montana, a.k.a. Tyrod Taylor, returns as the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Because everybody seems to think he's awesome just because Nate Peterman threw five picks. Well, he still stinks. The Kansas City Chiefs, though, boy, have they hit the skids after their 5-0 start. The Chiefs, I think, get right and win this game here. But... Who is Kansas City to be laying 10 points to anybody? Anybody. Especially a team that I guess will get rejuvenated by Tyrod Taylor coming back in, although I'm not buying it. I think this game's tight in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, Tyrod Taylor can't do enough to outdo Alex Smith in the battle of quarterbacks. He'll be looking for new jobs in 2018. But I'll take the points. Give me the Bills getting 10 in Arrowhead. Game number three, the Jaguars are in Arizona on Sunday. Blake Bortles stinks. There's no denying it. His fourth quarter numbers have been awful in close games. So if this is a tight game, you might want to shy away. But the Cardinals, as their quarterback carousel continues to turn, have gone to Blaine Gabbert. And what Jacksonville does better than any other team in the NFL, they go get sacks. And not just from two guys. They're all over the place. This is Jacksonville. And Larry Fitzgerald or John Brown, whoever it is, is going to be shut down by Jalen Ramsey. Probably not Larry Fitz as he'll slide to the inside. That Jaguar defense is straight up beasting right now, and I don't care where they are going to play. That defense travels, and I don't buy the Jaguars in beating big teams, but I buy them rolling terrible teams, and I think they totally kill the Cardinals on Sunday. So give me the Jaguars, lane four and a half, and a little bonus pick. I'm hosting. I'm usually the one with DA hosting as, you know, giving him my picks, I usually take three, but you know what? I'm in the power chair, as they say. Give me pick number four. How the Baltimore Ravens laying seven on Monday night against the Houston Texans? Houston had a little bounce back last week versus the Cardinals, as we just uh, had mentioned them. Baltimore Ravens, five and five. They've snuck in now to grab the sixth seed, a, a, a seed that it seems nobody wants in the AFC playoffs. Joe Flacco's been very mediocre, but that Raven defense, don't look now. They've had three shutouts on the year and really play well versus bad quarterbacks like they did last week versus Brett Hundley. 
And what does Houston have? A bad quarterback in Tom Savage. Give me Baltimore on Monday night, laying the seven. And those are my picks for a week number 12 in Up the Gut. Marco Belletti is awoken after, I'm sure, sleeping on a floor last night after not getting any Thanksgiving dinner because his wife was at his in-laws or something. Is that Do I have that right, Marco? Uh, you're close. You're close. I did get to sleep on a couch, so we're good. Okay, we're good. couch. We're good. couch. So we've upgraded. We're good. We're good. Last time we spoke to you on the DA show last week, you were sleeping on a floor, so we've upgraded to a couch. When right. do we get to a bed eventually? Uh, Today in the afternoon. Okay, so it's a big Black Friday yeah. on a bed. Yeah, I got about four hours in the bed. Yeah, it'll be solid. Four hours in the bed. That should be a as long as nobody wakes me up from Marco. As which, long as which, 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 yeah, that never really highly worked. questionable. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah say. that's a problem. That's a problem. Highly questionable. Okay, well, Marco Belletti's about set to do this. When we come back, we're going to close the strong the show strong. We're going to speak to John Kincaid, who I just mentioned, as he gets set to host for Gio and Jones. Plus, Alabama's resume got weakened, got weakened pretty significantly on Thanksgiving night. Do they belong in the college football playoffs should they lose the Iron Bowl on Saturday? Like through a tin horn, man. Do they belong? I dreamed it all ever since I was young. They said I won't be nothing. Now they always say congratulations. Worked so hard, forgot how to vacation. They ain't never had a dedication. People hate and say we changing, look, we made it. Yeah, we made it. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is Mraz in for Amy Lawrence on After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to help you choose the brakes that are an exact fit for your vehicle. Brands you trust like Brake Best and Wagner thermal quiet o'reilly auto parts has the brake parts you need at guaranteed low prices o'reilly auto parts better parts better prices every day you guys have been great on the phones throughout the overnight and great on the tweets and you can tweet at me at mraz cbs mraz cbs darren tweets if des didn't have the star on his helmet no one would talk about him des has been a polarizing figure since he entered the league and he was a guy that the cowboys were even calling the question for drafting because of his background so I'm not convinced he nobody would talk about him because he's a lightning rod, but I, I'm pretty convinced that there are enough organizations who, if they had Des Bryant right now, would be smart enough to acknowledge he's not a number one receiver anymore. Could be a good red zone threat to body out, sure, but he's not going to break any games open and make any big plays on the outside. And the Cowboys, quite frankly, just don't have enough to compensate that. So once Zeke was lost here to the suspension, that was their real playmaker these other guys in this Cowboy offense are getting exposed, and Dak is getting blamed for it because he's the quarterback, but Dak is not the issue. The building of the weapons around these guys has absolutely been the issue. Vinny tweets in at Mraz CBS, you should be more embarrassed than Cowboy fans talking that nonsense. No self-respecting fat man would take that sodium-infused trash over Nana's sausage stuffing. Vinny, I got news for you. Your Nana's stuffing stinks. It stinks, and you only think it's good because I'm sure it was a tradition that's been passed on for 80 years. Stovetop is the goods on Thanksgiving. And if you didn't have it and you got suckered in to whatever brainwash your family told you about Nana's sausage stuffing, you lost, man. You lost Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. You just did. One thing I'm psyched about this weekend has to be the Iron Bowl. Man, when Auburn and Alabama are both good, there are a few things better on the college football schedule than the Iron Bowl. 
And rivalry weekend is always great in college football. It's how we close the season. We get Ohio State, Michigan at noon Eastern. Roll into the Iron Bowl, with which if both teams are good, CBS is fortunate enough to get the game and be the big SEC game. So this is for the SEC West, all the marbles. So last happened in 2013 with the kick six. We all remember that game. That was as good a college football game as we've seen in our lifetimes. However things shake out here, Alabama is playing an Auburn team that knocked off number one Georgia a couple weeks ago. Defense playing well, offense playing well. And don't look now, but Alabama's resume is not good. It's not impressive. And it took another hit on Thanksgiving night during the Egg Bowl when Mississippi State fell to Ole Miss. Now, Nick Fitzgerald, the Mississippi State quarterback, first quarter leaves that game, ugly injury. And if you haven't seen the injury to Nick Fitzgerald, I don't recommend looking it up online, but if you're into gruesome stuff, the videos are there to be found. So, of course, that played a role in what was a wacky Egg Bowl. But now that Mississippi State lost, like that was the the win for Alabama on their schedule. And they really got by by the hair on their chin, okay? It was a tight game. That was the same night that TCU played Oklahoma and Notre Dame played Miami, and those games were blowouts. And everybody was flipping over to watch the end of that Mississippi State-Alabama game, and Alabama survived. But that was their win. That was their signature win. So why is this relevant? Because when the Iron Bowl kicks off Saturday and then it ends, let's say, by... 7 o'clock Eastern time, right? 6 o'clock Central time. If Auburn does what they did to Georgia or even just wins a very tight game, a classic game, and Alabama does not get to advance to the SEC championship game, do you know what the story is going to be Monday? Because this is all the SEC homers going to be talking about. Alabama deserves to be in the college football playoff. That was their only slip-up. They shouldn't be punished for losing late. They lost to a good Auburn team. And to do that, that would mean... You're either going to have to put two SEC teams in or put Alabama in over the SEC champ, which could be Auburn, who they just lost to. I'm sorry. If Alabama loses this game to Auburn, their resume is not good enough. I don't care that Nick Saban's their coach, and I don't care that they're Alabama, and I don't care the reputation they have. They should be out. I don't want to hear. and buried and gone. 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 Shouldn't have two SEC teams in the college football playoff. You just shouldn't. I think Oklahoma belongs. I think the ACC champ, whether it be Miami or Clemson, absolutely belong. I think Wisconsin, obviously, if they go undefeated, belong. And I tell you, a two-loss Ohio State team, if they beat Wisconsin in the national championship, give me them over a one-loss Alabama if that means two SEC teams are getting in. It's only right. It is only right. A one-loss Alabama does not deserve a place in the college football playoff. Joining me now, as he did yesterday at this time, I hope off a good Thanksgiving. I know as an Eagle fan, he probably enjoyed the Cowboy beatdown that happened on Thanksgiving. Is the great John Kincaid, who's up next with Gio and Jones. John, what's up? Uh, I I so enjoyed watching the NFC East compadres play yesterday. That was was delicious. Carson Wentz needed an extra napkin just to wipe the drool off his face going, man, it's going to be it's going to be comfortable for a few years now in the NFC East as they all three start to rebuild. Ah, you know better than anybody, John. It's year to year in the NFL. This year, it's very comfortable uh, for Carson Wentz. That could change next year real quick. Well, let's look at it this way. Is Kirk Cousins going to be back with the Redskins? I think they would be idiots to sign him long term. See, You do. See, I do. I think- I'm not buying Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is a quarterback. If He's good enough to win you nine games, and if your division stinks, you'll get in the playoffs. Kirk Cousins not an elite quarterback. Okay, you said him. You you get rid of him. You're not a winning team next year. I agree. Okay, if the and now the Giants 
I, I heard your impassioned defense of Eli Manning, <laughs> who really does look about as inspired to be hauling in his paycheck right now. I don't blame as, him. Uh, it, it, I, I do. I do. Why? Because you're afraid. Because you are. It's a not fran- like he's not trying. But well, what is the he, point? He's got bitter beer face. He's got the Eli Manning face going but on. But that's just it's, him. You know what? It, well, Mraz, nothing worse than Good Time Charlie. When things are going well, it can be smiles. It can be laughs. It can be a leader. You got to be a leader. I find out more about people when things are bad than I do when things are good. Okay. And right now, Eli Manning, the Giants. One of the things that you're you. Giant fans don't want to don't want to acknowledge is one of the reasons that the Giants stink and why the locker room's a mess is because they don't have a quarterback who's leading them. Well, okay. What about before he that doesn't Chief lead game? the locker room? What about the the Chief game before him when they won that game? All that came out of the reports after that game was Eli Manning's fiery speech oh, in yeah. the locker room before the game is what inspired that team to win. Come so on, don't guys. tell me. Come on, guys. Let's like have a oh, really big game serious. today, guys. Come on, come on, Morales. Do we have any tape on how Carson Wentz is leading the Eagles right now? Come you on. Know, you, know, you know how you you absolutely lead how he leads a- in the locker lead, room. I haven't Mar- seen any of his fiery speeches pregame. Morales, it doesn't have to be a speech. Your body language speaks volumes. If somebody shows up with that yeah, look on his face, body language really mattered when he connected with David Tyree in Super Bowl Forty Two. Well, yeah, here we go. You're, I'm telling you. You giant oh, I'm sorry, fans, I've seen a Super Bowl in my lifetime, you, a couple yes, of you. And and you know what you're doing? What you're doing is cherry picking. What you're doing is cherry picking out of it. By the way, I got to get on you about the Alabama thing. Okay, go ahead. Come on, let's go. The you, Ohio State has been blown out at home and on the road. They've already lost by 16 on their home field, and then they lost by 31 in a road game. There is no conceivable way that that is one of the four best teams in the country. You don't lose by a combined 47 points in two losses if you're one of the best four teams in the country. The last two times that we have sent one of those underachieving Big Ten teams as some sort of service plan to help them out, they have been outscored 69 to nothing the last two years. Michigan State two years ago, last year with Ohio State. It is there is no need to do a social welfare program and send a under just underachieving Big Ten team just because they're carrying the flag for the Big Ten. And I'll tell you right now, and if I'm wrong, you slay me for it. If Alabama was to lose a tough game tomorrow, they're in the college football playoff. They'll be the four seed. I, I They'll be the four seed. Now, whether the, that's deserved or not, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue that with you. It would they be will insane. Be but for they the record. Be. For the record, I think Wisconsin is going to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. I think we have totally undervalued Wisconsin this year. My point is, though, if all those chips fell where they were, the Big Ten Conference has been much better than the SEC West this year. Sorry, just has. Alabama the, does not deserve it. Who's the really good team in the Big Ten? I might have missed. And that's is the, it, that's is the it point. Penn They've State? all beaten up on each other. But I mean, are we good. talking Penn State? Are we talking Michigan State? It's deeper. Are we, are we, it's way more parity. Ohio but teams State? Are good. Yeah. Iowa? I mean, come on, Mraz, Mraz. I'm telling you. Look, I understand. They have much, Up in the New much York more quality area, teams. Cal- I know you guys, Sunday football is what you guys concentrate on. Uh, college uh, you're football, from Philadelphia. The, Don't play that game with me. Hey, I've been gone for 24 years. What are you talking about here? Hey, by the way, though, I am going to enjoy all the – I am going to enjoy the rebuilding, though. I'm going to do – will the Giants have the guts to make a move from Eli Manning? Yeah, I think they're going to take Rosen or Darnold if they're there. I do. Now, uh, you know the guy in that – you just named two. You know the guy you don't want. Out of those two? Yes. Yeah, Rosen. No. 
Sam Darnold's the one you don't no, want. Sam Darnold. He has the. He has. He's the, the is factor. He has the decision making during a game like Johnny Manziel on spring break. Oh come I on! I mean seriously, no. that is his decision making. You get he it with the fun. right coaches. I I love him, man. I love his makeup. I'll tell you, I don't think you're. Good I do not think you are teaching. Savvy. I don't think you're teaching intelligence. I think he has the it factor. He has a lot of Eli will make some dumb decisions, but it'll win you clutch games. I like I, him. He reminds I watched me of Eli. Eli Manning's college career, and I can tell you, I never watched him and said, there's a guy who looks stupid with where he's throwing the football. Well, you just called him dumb face a couple minutes ago. No, well, no, it's late. bitter beer face. He's got that. Bitter beer he's face. just so, he's so, and by the way, oh, oh, Jacksonville, don't get sucked in on the quarterback who spends his career with one team and then and then goes somewhere else and he's going to lead them to something. Well, it worked for his brother in Denver. Oh, my. Guess what? His brother is not him. They're right. Peyton, his, his brother took him to his last year Peyton, to win as many races as Eli had. Peyton, man, no, there isn't one general manager that would have taken Eli to lead their team over Peyton. Not one. 32 general managers in a room. You have a draft. Hey, you want Peyton or you want Eli? It would have been 32 to nothing. If the Jaguars have Eli Manning and not Blake Bortles, the Patriots are a nervous wreck right now. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I've loved hearing you. You've been awesome, and it's fun to uh, be entertained by Mraz. I appreciate appreciate that. Thanks, John. Have a good show. Love you, buddy. See you. That's J.K. He will be in for Gio and Jones and many of the same affiliates here on CBS Sports Radio. I mean, there you go. And this is what you get with Eagle fans. You've never seen a Super Bowl championship in your lifetime. You get a taste with Carson Wentz, and suddenly everybody else stinks, and you guys have the greatest organization ever. I can't wait for that equal crash and burn versus the Saints in the playoffs. Isn't that going to be fun? And that going to be a lot of fun? All right. Thank you guys very much for being with me. If you've been with me for the last two overnights. In case you don't know, my name is Sean Morish. They call me Moraz. I've adopted that nickname on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. The DA show... Held these overnight airwaves strong on CBS Sports Radio for the first two years of CBS Sports Radio, 2013, 2014. We went to East Coast evenings, a little West Coast afternoon drive for a while. And now we are on 9 a.m. to noon Eastern. DA pilots the mothership. He's an awesome host. And I want to thank him because he's taught me so much about this business and me being his producer and stuff like that. Now I've gotten this opportunity to host myself. I've had a blast the time of my life the last two nights. Thank you, Amy, for allowing me to, uh, you know, take care of after hours here. So it's been a lot of fun. Now, let me leave you with this. It was something I hit on earlier in the show. I'm, I'm sorry, and I apologize to Case Keenum. I was an idiot for not believing in you. As you get ready to turn 30 before next year, you deserve a contract from someone because this is no longer a fluke. You figured it out. We didn't believe in Case Keenum because he played for Bill O'Brien in Houston, and then he played for 500 Jeff Fisher in St. Louis and Los Angeles. And I can't think of two worse guys to play quarterback for if you need to develop, if you aren't that guy with all the natural talent and ability like everybody thinks Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen has. Quarterbacks who aren't taken in the first round, and Case Kim's case was kind of like Tony Romo, undrafted. They need a chance to develop, and they need a chance to develop in the right system to find their niche. We wrote off Case Keenum because of how he looked in places like Houston and the Rams. That was wrong. This guy's the real deal right now, and he absolutely can win big playoff games for the Vikings. I didn't believe it before yesterday. I've totally flipped on Case Keenum. The Vikings are the real deal, and Case Keenum can go stare Drew Brees in the face. He can go stare Carson Wentz in the face. And by the way, I don't think he's as good as either of those guys. He could beat them in the playoffs, especially with the defense behind him. And the Vikings right now, as they proved on Thanksgiving, might have 
the best duo of wide receivers playing right now with Stefan Diggs and, and Adam Thielen. Kyle Rudolph at tight end. That team is the full package right now. And the Vikings are very much for real. And on the flip side, on Thanksgiving, we witnessed the Lions just another underachieving season. And Matt Stafford, all the stars were aligned for him, especially when Aaron Rodgers went down. And this Lion team just cannot get out of its own way. And that is that, as they say on CBS Sports Radio. What a big football weekend here coming up. Iron Bowl, Ohio State, Michigan. We have the Rams playing the Saints on Sunday. So much good football action. Everybody enjoy their Black Friday. Please, don't be an idiot and trample anybody over a big screen TV. Nobody needs that. All right. On many of these same affiliates, Sean Cade filling in for Gio and Jones next on CBS Sports Radio. I'm Mraz. Thanks, everyone. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.